is a quarter to three movie podcast for Warcraft. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick. Before I introduce the other fellows, I just want a uh, quick PSA. If you want to support what we do here on the Quarter to Three podcast, go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash tomchick and consider supporting us. Now let's get to some Warcraft with Christian Murlocksky. I would actually prefer to be called Bookworm. And with our Warcraft tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, Wow. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have a tagline that someone who's not into video gaming might understand? Uh, craft not included. <laughs> These things normally travel in groups of three. Is there a third tagline? It's like Dungeons and Dragons, but with dice. I don't understand. Third one's always a stinker, isn't it? I don't understand it, though. Worst thing to happen to Blizzard since Irvine. Way too insider baseball. I know, oh. but fuck Orange County, man. Yeah, your 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 taglines have taken a nosedive. They started strong and then just pff, right into the ground. They always do. I just kind of hope you won't ask for more. But you All right. Always do. Yeah. Uh, do you, should we just start going to one? I mean, I should we just go to one tagline and we just pick out the best one? Or I kind of enjoy hearing the ones that you, we that you reject. Well, sometimes one goes better than expected. All right. You know, uh, I, even if you had said, Kelly Wan, no, let's just do one, I would still ask you for more because I like hearing the B-side material. I like—I don't want anything left on the cutting room floor. I like that the taglines are always an extended edition. And I like that usually I'm right that the first one was the good one. Like, yeah, see? That's what I thought would happen. Should we explain it to Dingus? Which one? The first one. Wow. Well, he should be let it, yeah. He should know that one on his own. No, Dingus and I. Dingus, do you understand that tagline? Like, does that make sense to you? It, uh, no, I think it has something to do with Warhammer, but I'm not sure. So, so Warcraft <laughs> is a the most recent incarnation of Warcraft is an online game called World of Warcraft, and people refer to it by its acronym WoW. Oh, that's not what I meant. Whoa, whoa is something else. That's <laughs> no, whoa is uh, yeah, that's a science fiction one. <laughs> nice work, Dingus. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we get to talking about this game, uh, okay, Jesus, listen to what I'm doing already. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've been incepted Every, by your own intro music. Well yeah, done. Freudian slips always mean something. <laughs> always right. Before we get into this video game adaptation, uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you create a quiz for Dingus and I uh, to compete in? All right. I think we'll you'll know whose zone this is in when you hear it. Okay, is this just a synopsis and we guess the movie? Is there anything yeah. going on? Okay. You read us a synopsis from IMDb, whichever one of us guesses the movie correctly first is the winner i forgot i had to explain the rules of the game to new listeners <laughs> well sometimes they're different but... there's only one game oh they are well i i did the whole thing of the names from uh criminal jericho stewart and uh all those guys oh yeah you yeah. actually didn't work on it <laughs> i just read aloud something from the internet and we call it a game <laughs> be honest you're not explaining the rules of the game to the listeners you're explaining the rules of the game to me do you understand the game? No. All right, here we go. The Empire of Izmir has long <clears throat> been a divided land. What? Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Destroyer. Nope. The, no. the mages. You say a de- delighted land? Divided. Yeah. Divided. Di- divided. It's all right. Delighted so it's, at all. Thing is, it's a land at war with itself. It's the opposite of delighted. All right. 
It's benighted. It's benighted. Thank you very much. Like, like Opeth. Is it? Yeah. Huh. That's the part. I knew Tom. I love. See, it's so good. I knew Tom would get stuck on the word Ismer, and like his, he'd be going through every movie he's seen. Does that have the word Ismer in it? No. Nope. <laughs> Jaws. Uh, wait. Gardner. No. Okay. <laughs> Always start at Jaws. Yeah. Rule that one out first. Yeah. Hmm. Ismer's an oligarchy. <laughs> That's where Tom's at on his guessing. So maybe it is Dingus's zone, but this one isn't the zone. The mages, an elite group of magic users, defines mages, <laughs> not Ismer, rule whilst the lowly commoners are powerless. Hey, this one's really good. Ismer's young empress, Savina, wants equality and prosperity for all, but the evil mage Profion is plotting to depose her and establish his own rule. Does Profion have any side effects I should know about? <laughs> yes. If you have four Ismer, if you have four hours of Ismers, you should contact your doctor. Um, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this because I would have remembered these names. What? Okay, well, Pro- keep going, keep going. Profion is awesome. Ismer is still good. I, I don't hate Ismer. I'm going to name that. My next World of Warcraft character is going to be named Ismer. I hope that's not taken. It's I-Z-M-E-R. Ew, that in that case, I don't like it. No, no. I don't yeah. like it then. I like that. Oh, you thought it was E-S-M? I-S, I thought. Well, Ismer. I thought it was I-S-M-E-R. The Z that, ruins yeah, it? I did too. I, the I Z ruins it. it, yeah. Yeah. I thought the S, is, the S sounds more biblical. The Z is what makes it a fantasy movie, and if it was an S, it'd be a science fiction movie. No, the Z makes – oh, I see what you're saying. Fair enough. Really? Wow. That's scary that you understood that. Well, because the Z makes it for people who are under 14. The oh, S right. makes it for 15 and over. Like, that's right. more of an adult. fantasy. Yeah, you're right. right. It's true. It's like at age 14, you go, wait a minute. Would there be rules? We don't have magic. We have lasers. Yep. And then you see, like, boo, fantasy. Fantasy is for children, sci-fi for adults. That's a pretty hard divide in my book. We don't have magic. We have lasers. Yeah. That's true. That's the boy. The girl. I mean, why is that funny? That's a true thing that you just said, Dingus. Anybody who's seen Kroll knows that those two things can go together. Kroll, that's my guess. Kroll, is it Kroll? No, no. I thought I was going to scoop Dingus on that. See, when Dingus Dingus had gotten credit, though. Let's go back to Ismer. I want to know what's going on with Profion and the Princess Savannah and uh, the land of Ismer. Uh, To challenge the Empress's rule, Profion must have a scepter and tricks the Council of Mages into believing Savina is unfit to hold it. Knowing that Profion will bring death and destruction and destruction to Ismer, <clears throat> Savina must find the legendary Rod of Savril, a mythical rod that has the power to control red dragons, a species even mightier than the gold. Enter two thieves, Ridley and Snails, who unwittingly become instrumental in Savina's search for the rod. Joined by a feisty dwarf named Elwood and helped by the Empress's expert tracker, the elf Norda, the young heroes go in search of the Rod of Sevril. From the deadly maze of the Thieves' Guild... All right, I'm Dungeons and Dragons? Is it yes. just Ro- Roger so Zelazny? The Jeremy, Jeremy Irons' name in Dungeons and Dragons is Profion? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Wow. What's the other one he did? Where is he? It's like King's Heart or something. I don't know. He's not well, in... He did uh, another fantasy after Dungeons and Dragons, and he looked exactly the same. He's wearing black, but he's kind of grinning, like, I'm the good guy in this one. <laughs> so Tom just got it. Yeah. yeah. Good work, Tom. I don't know why you sat on it that long. Well, I didn't think it was going to be that obvious. I mean, that's... Yeah. Obvious. 
Well, it's, I mean, it's when you think about it, that's the clear thing to read on a Warcraft right. movie podcast. That, yeah. Um, Did I you thought, ever see that movie though? Because it's actually. No. Kind of... Wait, it's kind of what? You, it sounds like you were going to say the word "good." No, it's not good, but it's weird. It's it's kind of like Warcraft. We should discuss this. All right. Well, let's get into that. But first, Dingus, to avoid spoilers. Why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about what movie we're going to be discussing this week? Don't ruin anything about it, and then we'll segue into spoiler territory. All right. Well, this week we saw Warcraft, mm. a 2016 American action-adventure fantasy video game movie mm-hmm. about orcs attempting a total General Zod. It was directed by Duncan Jones and written by him with Charles Levitt based on story and characters by Chris Metzen. It stars Ben Foster, Dominic Cooper, Paula Patton. Mmm. Uh, oh. Uh, Kelly. Wow. What? You just ruined a very tender moment. I did three things at once. <laughs> you only heard one of them. Thank God. Ben. I'm sorry, ben I'm not the only one on this podcast, by the way, who's seen Paula Patton in the do-over. So you get- oh, you is how does how is she if you know and it, how is she for me like if I was gonna there is no scene that. in the do over where she's not showing gratuitous cleavage so I does she have tusks uh, oh right I was gonna say I don't she has tusks on her I didn't actually notice her tusks in this movie just I don't I don't see tusks I see beyond that they're C's do you want to lay with her Tom <laughs> this movie also stars Ben Schnetzer. And uh, Glenn Close. <laughs> Uncredited. Well, yeah. <laughs> I forgot War- about that. Warcraft is – I didn't forget about it. I was sitting there trying really? to find anything to latch on to. I'm like, is that big? Yeah. Wait. That looks like her chin. Yep. That's her. Well done, Glenn. <laughs> her chin was what you were wa- waiting yeah. for. Come on. I actually chin. asked her to take my picture once. That happened. Warcraft is rated PG-13 for intense – Sequences of fantasy violence. Kelly, is there anything you feel that's a fair rating? Do they skip anything that should be on there for parents? Uh, graphic lore dumps. <laughs> <laughs> Some grunt rushes and graphic sequences of CG and peril. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have so much fun just sitting back and listening to you guys talk. Uh no, Dingus, because Dingus... I don't think you will. Yeah, Dingus, the uh, the director, his name sounds familiar. What else has he done? Mm. Uh, Duncan Hones. Um I think he did a movie called... I don't know. I can't remember any movies that he's ever done. Huh, that's odd, because you seemed off... What was your favorite movie of 2009? I forget. Yeah, there wasn't... I, did, I don't think I rated any movies that year. I, I, I think I took that year off. Huh. He's really deep in denial right now, Kelly Wand. I think we should help him. Did he just see it? Or is he watching it right now? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. Let's not spoil anything. Sounds Uh, raged. It's possible I'm watching it right now. So uh, Warcraft is the number two movie in America behind the Conjuring sequel. Uh, It made $24 million in its opening weekend. But in China, it made uh, $240 million. Uh, 150. It made six times in China what it made in the U.S. Yeah. Wow. Which is surprising to exactly no one. Uh, that's clearly what uh, the strategy was with this thing. Uh, Legendary. No- Legendary is actually owned by China. I didn't realize that. Uh, there is. Things got. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I. Yeah. I, that's been the case for. I guess they made it for themselves. What do you and mean? We just can watched. We, 
Right. Are you going to explain what you mean by clearly this, that was the strategy? Because I didn't understand. Yeah, I don't think that's true either. I think they thought – they just don't know what – never mind. We'll get into it. Well, clearly the strategy. I hope you, I hope you expand, no. Tom, because I don't know what that means. Okay, well, we'll talk about that. So. But first let me tell you, one of the reasons it's clearly a strategy that it's going to open in China is I don't think any – it's going to clean up in China. I don't think anyone behind this movie is surprised that it is at 27 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and its Metacritic rating is 32. Nobody expected otherwise. Uh, it was at 18, though. And furthermore, nobody expected – I don't think there were – I think the the twenty five million dollar twenty four million dollar opening is slightly above what the projected uh, take was. Nobody expected it was going to make more than than what it made in the U S. Uh, and they wouldn't have spent one hundred and what fifty sixty million dollars on this thing for a movie that was going to have a twenty million dollar opening. But uh, it's still a wide release here, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a wide release. They're going to make whatever it's a they summer can. Summer movie. Here. But they're clearly it's made for. China as a culture is hugely fond of the license, and China is going to gobble this up. Uh, it has no issue with any sort of Chinese censorship. The government's happy to let this thing just run rampant in China. Uh, this is, and also Russia, by the way, did very well in Russia. Uh, this is a movie for. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like a, I'm I'm being a nativist or Donald Trump fella here, but this is a movie for the overseas market that, and I guess we'll, we'll segue into talking about it. We'll get to the synopsis in a minute. But this is a movie where they clearly knew they were going to make the bulk of their money in an overseas market, uh, that oh. American audiences were just going to scratch their heads at this. Uh, I'm sure they hoped that the, the video game contingent would show up in greater force. But as, as a license, Warcraft has kind of declined over the last few years. It's still doing very well, but more people have been taking pieces of its pie, so to speak. Um, as, as hard as it is to... Uh, recoup your money over here, isn't it? Wouldn't it be exponentially harder to get your money back from grosses in China and Russia? I don't know what percentage they take, but it's not a matter of getting your money back so much as getting everything's a sunk it. Like they've spent their money and they're marketing it. They're going to make some money. I mean, the gross in China was $150 million this past weekend, um, actually in its first five days, I think. Uh, and I don't know what percentage of that the studio gets. When we talk about in the U.S., by the way, the domestic gross, studios only get about half of that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what exactly what the financial arrangement is. Yeah. But clearly they're, they're making more money overseas. They're going to make more money overseas from this thing than – they're going to make easily five times as much money overseas from Warcraft than they will in the, in the U.S. Right, and I, 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 I believe those numbers, and, and I, I, I shouldn't have asked that question to you because it's not fair to expect you to know that answer, but it's just curious for me to imagine, you know, for, trying to get your money back from a place called, you know, from Russia, you know, trying to get your, your money, like that, that, that movie has made there, trying to actually get it as a production company. There are 100, there are one and a half billion people in China, uh, regardless of, how much you, you know what the take is as far as the infrastructure in China, regardless of how much money you get out of what you sink into it, you cannot afford. You know, if you make a movie that one and a half people, half billion people are going to want to see, <laughs> what you're, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> like that's a, that's a huge market to get to cater to, right. even depending on what, even if it's a relatively small margin. Yeah, but if right. you make a great movie, I don't know. I just don't think it was an intentional decision for it to make. Well, I can I can totally see that Tom's right about that being a business decision. I'm just wondering how a production company thinks we're going to get our money back out of Russia and China. 
how are we, how are we going to actually extract that money from there and not just have that show up on, you know, box office mojo. So, but I think, I think Tom's totally right. I'm just wondering about the mechanics and that's not really a fair question to well, ask because none of us know that. Yeah. Russia and China are not Somalia. I mean, there, there's a business infrastructure. People sink money into, into, those countries. I mean, they're for for all of the communism in China, for all the thuggery in Russia. There's still countries with an enlightened self-interest who want other countries to sink money in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in Russia, war declare you. What? <laughs> Yakov Smirnoff jokes, really, Kelly Wand? Introduced to. I'm trying to elevate it a little. <laughs> Well, speaking of elevating things, Kelly Wand, let's get out of this business talk and let's yeah, talk about the plot. Not- Let's hear about the plot of this Warcraft movie. I would like you – because, Kelly Wan, you have a background in video game lore. What do you mean? I think you've written video game lore. You've done that as a living. Yeah, that's my specialty. Yeah, so you of all people should be able to explain to us what happened in this Warcraft movie by giving us a synopsis of it called, I'm guessing, The Wapsis? Ew. What? (laughs) I don't know. You're on such a hot streak. He hates Italians. Warcraftis. <laughs> How about the word crapsis? Yeah. See, Dingus gets it. I know. There you go. We should ask him from now on what it's called. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> Poor Dingus. That should be the tagline for Warcraft. <laughs> Poor Dingus. Yeah. All right. So, Kelly Wand, let's hear a synopsis of the latest movie from Duncan Jones, the director of Moon. Warcrapsis, the begin a sop saft. <laughs> the begin op saft. A human footman and an orc grunt sidle around a CG-shaped dirt pit. A random voiceover zall. Since 1994, blue human units and red orc units have fought and fought and fought. Then from 2000 to 2003, the Lord of the Rings movies made over $3 billion. In 2004, World of Warcraft was also very profitable. In 2009, Sam Raimi left this project for Wizard of Oz due to its vastly superior script. But if you think playing Warcraft was addictive, prepare yourself to wallow endlessly in the most intricate nuances of its lore. Just as the York and human are about to do what we all dubiously paid to come see them do, a prehistoric font explodes all over us instead that says Warcrapsis, while war drums war drone. Some words are all Outland DLC. In a CG tent, a she-orc farts awake. She's all, I was dreaming I rolled a hunter. Her mate Duratar's all, hopefully one with a fat ass. He slaps her testicles playfully. She's all, and a fat head. Just as they start to have noble, savage, green intercourse, it's the next day. A huge 3D mass of screaming green CG blobs stomps around fiercely waving hammers and nails. Paula Patton, wearing green makeup on Jester boobs, walks on screen, gesturing unconvincingly at nearby figures, then looks at us and goes, Thug, thug! My character's name is Bologna. I'm only half GG. Though we haven't met humans yet, though, so I'm not quite sure what my other half is. Thrainai? Wait, so that's why I look human? I lean over to the hearthstone dimming beside me and go, that's the half I'm interested in. The orc leader's wearing a cape and his eyes are green to convey that he's CG. He raises his throbbing rod aloft and goes, as you all know, our world is dying from uh, something unspecified and undefined rate. 
<clears throat> so to guarantee this will not be the last generation of orcs, I've drained the life force from all your newborns to make this doorway. <laughs> he makes CG hand gestures. A shimmering giant green rectangle magically appears in some nearby conveniently shaped rock formations. He's all, since it's bright green, I call it the dark portal. The orcs all cheer and set fire to their tusks, tearing them off and raising them overhead like roadie lighters. A guy in a red shirt stands up near the back and goes, Hello, yeah, um, the portal didn't require sacrifices and was created in collaboration with the Shadow Council and Ner'zhul, who discovered that drinking the blood of the Anile and Manoroth would imbue the orcs of Azeroth with their trademark fell taints. A guy in a blizzard shirt with a headset escorts him off the set. <laughs> <laughs> The warlock works all. Now, obviously, since I made the doorway narrow instead of wide, I can only take our best and most pregnant warriors. I'll assume we can all agree on which ones among you are just nah. The med group cheers triumphantly while Duratar and Bologna stare poignantly at each other in the midst of a billion stampeding CG lunatics. The orcs all cheeringly rush through the portal and promptly find themselves in outer space choking to death. As Goldan turns around, he's all, Okay, now everybody get inside this spaceship here that'll carry us <laughs> through the portal in safety and comfort. Jesus, idiots. Okay, um, head for the white light, the rectangular one. <laughs> the orcs land off screen in a CG forest where they lie gasping by a riverside while the girl of the bunch gives birth. The warlock grabs the baby, turns it green by boring a nearby deer, and raises it over his head while all the orcs slobber approvingly and teabag Duratar. The warlocks all, may this squealing CG someday prove pertinent to the franchise. Duratar's all, come on guys, this isn't funny, it's my fucking kid. Some words are all Shirestorm, server, population low. A stone man with a bearded smirk walks on screen and waits. Eventually a CG-sized dwarf also walks on screen and goes, Ah, Grognard, my normal-sized friend, come, I have something for you. I also made a box for it. He opens the box and goes, level 69, 16.47 DPS, durability 85, sell price 70 copper. I call it a boomstick. Grognard's all, oh, we're ripping off Army of Darkness too? I mean, he picks it up and points it at their approaching friend. He's all, sometimes I wonder who we're at war with now. The friend's all, speaking of which, someone attacked a garrison you're supposed to be in charge of. Why are you here? Grognard grins at us and goes, that was dialogue. The red shirt guy walks on screen and goes, um, yeah, Dwarven guns weren't introduced to Stormwind arsenals until Tides of Darkness, part of which cannons and demo... As the headsets close in, some words are all, <laughs> right guard depths, RP server, please. Grognard CG walks down another hallway till he reaches another nether hallway, containing a man with a beard wearing a crown also. Grognard's all, ah, King Lame. It's been a while since that last event in our lives inspired a similar verbal exchange. He smirks at us, but doesn't say anything. Lames all. Speaking of which, some Mexican guys here examining bodies. Grognard's all examining. <laughs> that guy's Mexican to you? <laughs> yeah, he's got that mustache. I guess so. Yeah, be a, he's got that mustache. It could be yeah. a Michael Pena part, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah he's Michael Pena <laughs> Tom, you just improved the movie by 500%. And the diversity. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. He clenches his fists and kicks open a door to a room where a Mexican person's eating CG at a desk. 
the Mexicans all, yo, who I got to blow to get some relish for this gooey spider cake? Wait, now he's Scoot McNary. Wow, well, how that's did that happen? <laughs> that's that character. Don't you remember? He's in the movie, the Mexican guy. I'm just re- replicating what I saw on the screen, Dingus. I don't know what you're talking about. Me neither. Grognard's all, gooey, why you? Pins him to the desk. Then he raises the Mexican's arm to reveal a tattoo of a black anus. He's all, I knew it. The Mexican's all, what? Grognard's all, hmm, good point. He stops choking the Mexican and brushes dust onto him. Forgive my wrath. Tensions between the high golden snowmen and the followers of the troublesome hoof have run high since the dryad police action ended in a bugged boss fight at the cursed buttock. (laughs) (laughs) The Mexicans all, speaking of which, he makes a hand gesture to nearby corpse till its eyelids turn green and it yawns languidly. The king's all, Pardo's lip. The Mexicans all, yep, it's the fell. My Timbamar rep's insufficient to continue explaining. We have to go see... He looks at us, eyes widening CG lead. Ben Foster's character, mediocre. The Guardian. What's his name? Mediocre. <laughs> From Fury Road? <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah. Did I recycle? <laughs> Princess Leah leans over to me and goes, Guess which faction I belong to, Kelly? Okay. I'm all the Alliance. Nope. <laughs> Some words are all Brewfest hold. Level 30 plus. Down for maintenance. Grognard climbs up the spiral staircase to look at Ben Foster. Ben Foster's office consists of a jacuzzi brimming with CG froth and some shelves. Some shelves. Yeah, shelves. Jacuzzi and shelves. Jacuzzi and the shelves. Grognard's puffing for breath when he arrives, since he's terribly unhealthy. He pants. Darkness means lightness. Light is the dim ray bright darkness clarity. <sighs> I came because... Yes, yes, portals, green CG. You don't need to come in person. I'm a mage in this. <laughs> ben Foster. <laughs> in a robe. <laughs> People, now tell your Mexican to stop stealing my books downstairs. It's characters. Have you been so practicing? Good. Because it's really good. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. Wow. This is how I sound. <laughs> I enunciate. <laughs> That's what acting is, Tom. <laughs> TV actor. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Game boy. <laughs> With an M. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, Ben Foster looks down at the book he's holding and casts a shut book spell on his hands. Who is he? Grognard's all. Well, since you're a mage. Foster makes more hand gestures. Grognard's all. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. Downstairs, the Mexican takes a book off a shelf, spits his gum into it, replaces it, then opens another one to a random page and goes... Hmm, Ben Foster's character is Eve. See anything incriminating? Yeah, 
Grognard smirks at us. A footman attack moves to a nearby X cursor and goes, My ladies, green aliens are doing something in Trash and Fail. Foster looks at us and goes, Then the enchanted prophecy was half right. War has come prematurely. I can relate. We rolling still? Duncan? Some words are all. (laughs) Some words are all. Rising Gorge, contested zone, auto flag for PvP reinstanced. As the blue player's footman attack moved to a patrol waypoint in a forest, Grognard's all. Okay, everybody, make sure not to let go of your buddy's ding-dong, and remember, need before greed unless it's for your twink. Hey, guys, check out this metal tree I just aggroed. The orc and chainmail who's bulgy squeezing flattens him with a mace. A bunch of fighting CGs. In the end, no one wins, and Paula Patton, who's apparently a terrible fighter, gets captured. She's taken in a metal cage wagon to King Lame's throne room to slow the pace down for a bit and give our brains time to catch up. (laughs) Paula Patton, CG stands handcuffed to a throne room. I feel like I'm talking like Foster all the time now. Shit. Stuck like that. Damn it! It's like one crazy summer. Her breasts heave greenly. A leatherworking bender's all. Sire, I recommend we should execute this disgusting abomination immediately. It's a freakish, repulsive alien being from another dimension, clearly beyond our ability to understand. We already have gnomes. Seriously, look, those breasts are huge. Ugh. King Lame shambles up. Shambles. King Lame shambles up to Paula Patton, clasps her shoulder pads gravely, then turns and nods at a guardsman. The guardsman nods back. The king's all. I meant remove her manacles. The guard's all. She's not manacled. Lame stares at her face, sniffs her armpit, then screams in her ear, Do you speak English? <laughs> She's all, Yes. I learned it from human prisoners? When the hell did that happen? Grognard smirks at us. A minor Kunis walks on screen and goes, I'm the queen, someone's sister. She walks out again. Paula Patton's all, I'm half descended from a half-dignified wraith called Orcth. We are white men's burdens from a dying world, but there is one among us who is evil. That is all the English I know. Off in the corner, an extra wearing plastic goblin ears and a name tag that says Metzen, please do not fire, is all. <laughs> Wait do you see what's explained in Desolus. A footman he's leaning on is all. Are you still touching me? Later. Master Foster, I took the liberty of putting all your papers here on clotheslines. I wasn't sure what to do with your clothes, so I just put them on the shelves. Ben Foster's all, I am the top build NPC in this zone, and this is what I do to prove my power. He sets paper on fire. Then he's all, I hope that didn't look suspicious or anything. His eyes glow CG for a second, then he makes a portal to a nearby door, swishes through, and looks back as he turns the knob gravely. Ben Foster. (laughs) After he's gone, the Mexicans all, hmm, I wonder if what just happened means anything. Some flames come out of his ass, startling him. (laughs) Some words are all, you have discovered infected gray bush. You lose one exploration XP. Duratar and his friend Gary are doing nothing while the orc army makes clanking noises in the CG valley below. Duratar's all, oh, it's good to see trees again, especially since that forest battle three minutes ago and the forest we landed in yesterday. We orcs are practically synonymous with all things tree-loving. Gary's all. 
Duratarazole. Hey, that warlock who's been for centuries, eats our babies, keeps making our worlds die, eyes glow the same color, all our dying worlds keep turning. Maybe we ought to address all that at some point. Gary's all. <clears throat> Duratar's all. It's as if I sense a beginning, that the craft of war will consume this world like a blizzard. Activision. 2016. That's it. Some words are all. Valley Mountains. Legacy server. You feel normal. Foster, Pat, and Grognard in the Mexican CG act in front of scenery. Patton's all. Where are we going again? My tusks smell. The Mexicans all. Darkness equals lightness in kilowatts. Is a euphemism from Roylock? Grognard smirks at us. A young man walks on screen, tries to blow his shoulder pads out of the way so he can talk, then goes, I'm the bearded character's son, by the way. <laughs> Defining characteristic is rash courage. I'm level two. He walks off. The tip of Foster's wand grows moist. He's all harken. CG detected. Some orcs show up. King Lame walks up to Duratar, stares transfixed at his CG nipple, and goes, Do you speaky anglaise? Patton looks at Duratar and says stuff to him in orcish. He says stuff back for two minutes. Finally, she's all, He said nothing. Grognard rolls his eyes and goes, Jesus, I'll handle this. Fucking idiots. He stomps up to Duratar and goes, Do you speak English? Duratar says stuff in Orkish for ten minutes, then stops, looking somber. Patton looks at the king and goes, He asked, what? Duratar says more Orkish. Patton's all. He says, do you speak Orc? King Lane shrugs and goes, I don't know. Duratar drops his pants. Patton smiles sadly. She's all. Forgive me, your highness, an Orc I don't know with a proposal for something specific. The Mexican wizard's all. See, deep down we're not so different. Duratar picks his nose for a few minutes, then farts hard enough to liquefy a nearby orchard. Paula Patton's all. He says that our dying world is dying, and that a powerful warlock named Gul'dan has marshaled many interchangeable specks of CD from Clan Rageballs, Clan Thundersnot, Clan Howlscream, Clan Frostbite, Clan Ravendropping, Clan Lonecloth. The king's all, yeah, yeah, just hit accept. We can skip all this. In fact, just hit autoquest. No, wait, that conflicts with atlasloot.exe. We might have to reinstall. Hang on, I know a guy in CS. When I wake up, there's a battle going on. Foster is cast to kill the protagonist child spell on some electricity that's ruining the battle. Grognard tenderly reaches between the electricity bars to stroke his son's glistening pauldrons while a sneering orc waits patiently for Grognard and his son to say goodbye to each other before he kills the son. Like in 300, but with CG. Grognard's all, You did well today, my lad. First of your line to bring honor to House Nard. The son's all, What are you talking about? We just got pummeled. I'm only glad we have a priest that can resonate. Grognard's all, Yeah, uh... There's no priests in this. It's called the beginning. Priests are a pretty futuristic concept. But again, great job. Can't wait to see that orc's face when he sees what shit loot you drop. The sun's all. What about necros? I can come back as a skeleton for a couple minutes at least. Nope, that's WC3. Tides of, uh, wait, uh, wrath of, anyway, this is a hardcore server. So yeah, again, great work out there today. I'm very proud I stayed hard long enough to conceive you. The son's all, fine, I'll just roll a new guy. Nope, too late. He grabs his son's hand and shakes it proudly as the orc flattens the kid with a stone hammer, leaving Grognard shaking a bloody, dismembered gauntlet. Beside me, the diesel's all, nice! <laughs>
I'm all, he could at least have tried fighting back. That's what I'd have done. Diesel stares at me nonplussed and sputters, That wasn't your choice to make! <laughs> Some words are all Shyamalan keep. The bidding time for your Arcanite bar has expired. Grognard drags an unconscious Foster feet first down some stone stairs and kicks him into his swimming pool. He's all, that ought to do something arbitrary. Suddenly, the CG starts boiling and turning evil. Ben Foster levitates out of the pool. Now his skin's like ham and his eyes are like green eggs. A wow nerd sitting near me gasps with excitement and texts his friend something he just remembered about Captain America. Grognard smirks at us. Just as he starts to speak, some words are all Eastern Brownlands. Not enough mana. Please log out. A bunch of CG happens. Duratar's friend Gary helps him by getting him captured while his wife ensures their baby's safety by putting him in a Moses basket and sending him downriver right towards the massive force of enraged and tacky humans. I look over at the Warhammer protesters scowling beside me and go... I may be no podiatrist, but in my experience, babies set adrift in baskets tend to drown. He responds by saying something about the movie, so I tune him out. Back in the CG dirt, Goldan CG hugs Duratar to death. A spectating orc's all, Hey, no fair, the warlock used magic to win. Boo! <laughs> Goldan's all, What? I'm a warlock class. The orc's all, Doesn't matter, boo! They throw vendor trash at him to underscore his disgrace. Gary clenches everything heroically and goes, If I may speak for the rest of the boors, I don't follow deep. I prefer to follow this. He points to Duratar's charred skeleton. Lead us, Duratar. The skeleton turns to dust. At Gary's whiny urging, the orcs all boo Goldan some more for being powerful. Goldan's all, ugh. He makes hand gestures and kills a couple orcs by making them greener. The orcs suddenly stop booing, look at each other, and begin cheering. They're all, forget what we said. Goldan rules. Goldan's all, now go attack humans. We'll talk battle tactics afterwards. They all cheer some more, then start running off screen in the direction they assume the humans are going to come from. Meanwhile, King Lame and his friends ride up to some bones tied to another bone. King Lame's all, crossbones. Patton's all, we are alone men. King Lame's all, we few. A footman's all, sire, the orcs are revolting. The kings all, I'll say, but how's their insurrection coming? In response, human and orc armies charge at each other, screaming incoherently without any semblance of strategy or real time. As they run at the orcs full tilt and cumbersome plate armor, the footmen whip out dwarven pistols that have apparently been mass-produced at some point since the movie started, and to maximize their marksmanship, fire them while running entangled mobs at the oncoming imbroglio of virtually bulletproof foes. Meanwhile, back at Shyamalan, the Mexican busts Grognard out of prison by casting a haste spell on a nearby prison guard. They head down to Foster's swimming pool, where they find him turning into a ghoul and making hand gestures at a nearby green portal. The Mexicans all, Damn, a heroic character corrupted. May this be the only time we ever see this theme run its course in Blizzard fiction. Stand back, Grognard, while I cast mass gayness. I, I mean blindness. He passes out. Ghoul Ben Foster makes a hand gesture. A giant golem made out of leftover CG rises and starts muttering incomprehensibly. Grognard smirks at us and goes, That's visually interesting. <laughs> he tricks the golem by cutting its head off, then tricks the evil energy in Foster's eyes by giving it a speech about friendship. This turns Foster's eyes black, the universal color of redemption. The Mexicans all, Light is darkness and dimness contrast! Everything evil explodes in off-screen IMAX. From horizon to horizon, the sky turns faint taupe. 
Grognard coughs to convey that the explosion was cosmic in scope, brushes some dust onto himself, then goes, Mexican, let me see your eyes. Good. Only mild CG. The Mexican's all. Well, I've done enough for one movie. How about you? Grognard's all. I've decided resistance is pointless. He jumps off a cliff, but unfortunately a griffin catches him. Although no one gives a shit about him anymore, Foster's still alive. With his dying breath, he says stuff that makes the portal open a gateway to Castle Shirestorm long enough for the army of humans losing to the orcs long enough to courageously retreat, i.e. a few seconds. In the midst of battle, everyone leaves the king and Paula Patton alone long enough for them to hold a whispered conversation. King lames all, Paula, I thought of a surefire way to guarantee peace and also restore your honor among your honor-obsessed species. I need you to stab me from behind. I realize it's quite a bit to ask, but... <laughs> Patton stabs him in the crotch repeatedly. A nearby orc about to deliver the death blows all, KS. <laughs> She's carried on the shoulders of all the orcs to enjoy her new as the bitch slave of a possessed, paranoid, ostracized warlock demon. Somewhat belatedly, Grognard lands in some dirt and coughs while the victorious orcs all stand around waiting for him to get up. Then he kills the mean orc by punching him. Grognard's all, that's for my son fighting you poorly earlier. He flies home, puts a crown on his head, drapes medals on each of Patton's tusks, and screams, For the Alliance! All the horde players in my audience look around dejectedly at each other and begin to douse themselves with gasoline. A word's all, war crap! As a teaser of wiki explanations to be filmed at a future date, the baby basket floats interminably down some CG water while Duratar's voiceovers all, You'll never hear these words, my son, or even understand them since they're in English. I forget my point. Oh yeah, wouldn't it be funny if you weren't in the next movie at all? Lols. Anyway, there probably isn't going to be a next movie, so try and end this on a memorable note. The basket comes to a stop against a CGPA's hand. Red sleeves reach into the basket and pull out the squalling bundle of CG. We hear the guy holding it go, Yeah, technically, the orcs didn't shit this green till after they drank from the Swamp of Sorrows. I look over at Tolkien's skeleton spinning under the tombstone beside me and go, Disenchant. The end. That was awesome, Kelly Wand. Thank you. Ugh. Just glad it's over. But Dingus yeah, is the, the one... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying. Segue. As the one least acquainted with the video game, Dingus... Was this movie confusing? Why do you think I'm least acquainted? I don't understand why you would say that. What class do you play in World of Warcraft? The Squig Herder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were right. He does say that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't follow who who, who the who the hell was who. I didn't. didn't I, I was constantly having trouble finding out. You know who's Duratan? Who's Durafan? Is that that weird fruit that smells like death? From Asian countries that they make into whatever, I couldn't I couldn't figure out who was who. Yeah, I was I was terrible with the names in this movie. It was driving me nuts. At one point, someone says something, and this is like fairly late in the movie. Like it's got to be eighty percent over by this point. Someone says something like, "I'm not going unless Thorthor or whatever is coming along." I was like, "Who the hell is Thorthor?" I don't even remember what the name was. Uh, and it was Travis Fimmel's character, like the main guy. Like when somebody mentions his name that late in the movie, this thing is so pronoun heavy. Wait. I, I don't even know who you're talking about now. Travis Fimmel? Oh, so Travis Fimmel. I've never seen this guy before. I was told uh, he's from a TV show on the History Channel called Vikings, uh, and he's oh. the main guy. Uh, I guess main guy. He's the human guy whose son gets killed. Uh, he's oh, the, oh, okay. Thank you. All right. And I, I like that guy a lot. I'd never seen him before, mm-hmm. uh, even though the, the movie's terrible, uh, of course. Uh, I really liked him, and it made me want to see this Vikings thing. Um, 
So yeah, so partway, you know, near the end of the movie, when someone says his name, I had no idea that's who that was. Uh, this thing is just—he was kind of doing something with his character a little bit. I know, like that guy. Uh, I think that guy should be in more movies. I mean, that guy. Uh, yeah, he's. A, I think. Oh, go on. Yeah. Well, this is the sort of thing like you can you can watch this movie and tell a lot about who knows what they're doing and who is completely lost and. I find it fascinating watching things like this that are just utter messes and seeing how different actors deal with it. Um, yeah. Oh, well, well think- now this makes sense because because uh, one of our listeners, Aaron Vaughn, one of his points was when the guy from Vikings was trying to sweet talk the prison guard, a guy in the audience laughed in earnest. I didn't know what guy in Vikings meant. Yeah, so that's the actor Travis Femmel, which Travis Femmel. I know. How's that for a crazy name? Yeah. I was so put off by the end and how crazy, just anti, just not anti. I don't know. I hate using the word misogynistic, but I, I was so turned off by the end of this movie and how little it had to do with women. How you could have, if you wanted to, you could have written so many cool female characters into this. And how he like threw his arm around her, the queen's shoulder, and everybody like thrust swords in this guy. Like, yep, she's mine now, and now for Azeroth. It's his that, sister, Dingus. <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on there. It was so disturbing. It's his sister. It's a it's a brotherly gesture. He's not well, claiming it have her. Been. It should have just been her taking over the kingdom. I I fucking hated all of this. Like like there's no women in this that other than Paula Patton who Dingus, has, what? nobody no, the, no women at the table ever gets to say anything worthwhile. Uh, the female <laughs> orc was pretty like I I think that's complete. Uh, I mean, there's way there there are all kinds of problems with this movie, but. They did what they could. I mean, they for a crappy movie, they put in some cool female characters. Did what they could. What do you mean they did what they could? They could have done a whole. They could have done a ton more. If your problem with this movie is that it's misogynistic, I, I think that you're you're looking for problems. Yeah, with it. there's so I many problems with problems at all. I just think that if you're going to bother to make a movie out of this silly world, then you can do all kinds of things. You can do a ton of things, and it's just a bunch of white dudes running around talking. It's oh god. Anyway, sorry. That's part You're of, right, and that's what but, that's what to me sucked about is there's not much Warcraft in it, and I think there's some really good art direction in this movie. I thought in production design, like I really like the look of it. I think it's just a writing issue, and um, but there wasn't any zeppelins or turtles or catapults or bloodlust. I think their entry point was too early. Well, I don't think they uh, like they they kind of knew better than to cater to uh, video game stuff. Like there there's so few nods. There are a couple of very Subtle, like you see a murloc at one point, like that. Yeah, I'm sure but, people who play the game are like, oh, cool. But I, I don't. I, I think it's very unconcerned with the video game for the most part. It's well, basically Charles Levitt. It's, it's basically the screenwriter and Duncan Jones just wanting to do a fantasy story. Um, but it's and, such a boring choice. If you're going to do a Warcraft movie, I just would have. I don't know. I think they kind of Batman versus Superman, but like they try trying to set up too many things. Well, I don't, you know, you say that Kelly Wan, but I was as someone watching, I was like, you know, where are the elves? Why isn't there a gnome? There are two scenes with elves. Uh, I do feel like, to their credit, they did want to focus on this idea of, hey, why are orcs and humans at odds with each other? And they wanted to do it from a perspective other than, well, because orcs are bad guys. Uh, And contrary to what Dingus was saying, I like the fact that our entry point is this married couple. And we're seeing how a female orc works in the context of the, this whole, like, very manly, hey, orc warriors kicking ass kind of thing. Uh, and what does she exactly get to do? 
she saves the baby. She uh, yeah, stands she saves up the against, baby and Mosesism, and then what? She stands up against uh, the the guys that are that are uh, that are kowtowing to the the main bad guy. She's super badass. Uh, she uh, she doesn't yeah. let being pregnant uh, stop her from going to to fight. Great. Um, what 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 other women get to do anything in this movie exactly? Uh, well, Paula Patton's character basically becomes the leader of the orcs. Uh, yeah, getting uh, saved. Ruth Nega, ambassador. Ruth Nega uh, becomes the king at the end. Um, no, I she mean, doesn't. The, this whole... She gets a man standing over there, throwing his arm around her and wrist, thrusting the sword in the sky as himself, saying, "For Azeroth, he's the one who everybody is standing behind." She doesn't get to do anything but stand there and go, oh, "Okay." Uh, there's the mystical like engineer of everything that's going on who's a woman. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't know why you're expecting this thing to be somehow a progressive. Because uh, I expected about what. Because about, I expect I if they're going to make a fantasy thing that has nothing, as you say, to do with the video game, then go fucking balls out, go crazy. Thing is, not every movie needs to have some progressive, like equal treatment of women, and, and especially one like this, which, which I think this, the story in this is as it is barely worthy of any attention or even acknowledgement because it's just it's completely it's, it's one or the other. It's either not worthy of acknowledgement or it is. You you do this kind of thing a lot of times, but is it worthy of acknowledgement or not? No, it's not. I mean, it's a okay, ridiculous then story. Let's just drop that line of questioning. Well, you're the one that brought it up. I mean, if you feel yeah. like this movie should be. Should somehow be criticized for not being progressive. I, that's because not. I its think it would be better if it had actually had that kind of an idea about you it. Think, because I'm you, sitting there okay. watching this council of white dudes with beards standing around. I can't tell one from the other, and I'm wondering why. Why don't we have like a woman in here or any other race in here? There, there's. I was sitting here ticking off the times that the black dude said anything, and I, as I understand it, I think Warcraft has a pretty diverse. Kind of right. uh, feel to it as a game, and as I was but pointing out, Kelly, Juan, the, the focus here is on the orcs and, and men being at war. They do show you briefly the the, the dwarves and the elves and this whole multiracial council. Um, right. But you really think that if this movie had somehow had a more progressive agenda, it would be a better story. It would or have if been those better characters fighting. had all been women. Yeah, they wouldn't have changed anything. You think it wouldn't have still been a crappy movie? Well, I don't, I don't know if it wouldn't have been a more crappy movie, but I think it would have been a more interesting story, don't you? If uh, I don't, I don't no. think that. The, yeah, I no, I don't, I don't think that. The fact that the, the Duncan Jones and Charles Levitt were were trying to, yeah, I, I don't think that. It, I don't There's think no women in the game. <laughs> it's all male. Well, the game is nice. basically just like, hey, do you want to be a dude or a chick, and and whatever you pick doesn't matter. Uh, it's oh, like the game is unconcerned with gender as well. I think that's the thing. It's Warcraft, the RTS. What do you mean? Okay, not the, not I apologize for asking this because I'm obviously totally ignorant of this. But what do you mean? But by, by when you say that the game is, and I'm not being, I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm just honestly asking. What do you mean by the game is unconcerned with gender? Uh, when you start a character, you can pick important things that will affect the gameplay, like what is your class, what is your race, uh, and a lot of games do this. When you decide whether you're going to be male or female, you just pick one, and it's just strictly cosmetic decision. There, there's yeah. no relevance. Oh. Player storytelling right. whatsoever to whether or not you're a man or a woman, mm-hmm. uh-huh. right? And I think that's partly well. Yeah, I don't. They're, they're very. It just has no bearing on your experience. Yeah. Except that you look at a certain body type. It, no, but it's the it's the one that you're identifying with, right? It's your. Yeah. Well, it is, some people play it that way, or it could be the one that is your like a a, a protagonist you're watching in a third person story. 
uh, I don't know that everyone identifies with um, their character right. alone necessarily. And, uh, and I'm sorry to derail us from the movie, but I just was curious about what you meant by that. Sorry about that. Well, and I, I what's really surprising to me, uh, and I've, you guys are still in the doghouse. If you ever want to get out of the doghouse, get around to watching Seventh Son. Because Guess what? Seventh, oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Oh, because Seventh Son is also written by Charles Levitt, uh, who did the – co-wrote the script for this silly thing with Duncan Jones. And I think Seventh Son, you know, it's also a bad fantasy movie, but I, Seventh Son is a delight for how, how silly it is. And uh, like it has a great sense of humor and it has a fantastic performance that it, that it works around. I, I don't know if it works for you, Dingus, but I was astonished that the guy who wrote Seventh Son also did this horrible, boring thing. Um, so did Seventh Son work for you? Did you did you enjoy any of that? Well, to be honest, Tom, I you know, um, I watched Seven Sun this week because you've said so many times that you're annoyed that we haven't, and you've suggested that we watch it. So, by the and way, I, you're out of the doghouse, Dingus. Kelly Wand, you're still in the doghouse for not seeing Seven. Uh, I tried to watch it. Okay, you can peek your head out of the doghouse, but you have to stay in it. All right. <laughs> All right. So I was don't. having trouble getting into it, but maybe I was just in the mood. I would, I Come on, the fact that they kill the character that they kill so early, like that, like. That's what basically was like. Okay, I'm going to stick with this movie. Uh, all right, so Dingus, did it did it work for you? Go ahead. Sorry. I well, mainly I watched it because I thought one I would be able to tell you because I knew it was going to come up during this that I watched it, and two I'd be able to have something for an over under because I thought surely uh, Seven Sun will be pretty closely bracketed to whatever happens when I have to watch Warcraft. Um, but good. Freaking Lord, I love Seventh Son. I probably love it more than you do, and I don't think it's a bad fantasy movie. I, but maybe it's it's a function of having watched it in the week that I watched this thing. Um, but man, I really love Seventh Son. I think that there's a total, there's so much energy in it. The CG is really, really cool. The ideas are really great. The the characters are are super. Um, they're they're funny. There's a great sort of balance of of funny and weird and serious or like mock fantasy serious. I I mean, as I watched it, I was just. I, as I constantly was writing quotes down from Seventh Son, I was I was thinking, man, I wish we were watching Seventh Son for this podcast rather than having to watch Warcraft. Because Tom, I really, really, really like Seventh Son. I mean, I, I mean, I don't understand why. Um, and you know, part of what I played with when I was doing my over under is like movies that by great directors that should wind up on TV instead of on movies, uh, and that didn't work out. So I scrubbed that and i was watching seventh son and wondering why is warcraft winding up as a major release and seventh son is something that tom has had to like flog and flog and flog so that we will actually watch uh, i really really like seventh son and the cast is freaking amazing i mean alicia vikander's on it is that is that her name yeah yeah God, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of gushing right now because i get to talk about something i really liked but uh, see kelly and- wand by the way see see yeah. Okay. And and, uh, <laughs> and and the two from Big Lebowski getting to work together again. He's doing the same weird voice, but who cares? Um, man, man. And it's basically a story I think about a divorce. Like yeah. ultimately, yeah. ultimately a good a good uh, fantasy sci-fi whatever. It has to come down to characters. Uh, you know, movies about magical doodads just don't interest me. But but when characters like when that's a central part of the story. That's relatable, and when the story plays on that, and Seventh Son is just about people getting past an acrimonious divorce. Like that's kind of the, the centerpiece of it. 
Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So, but Tom, you're absolutely right to harp on us not watching it and to kind of uh, needle us for not watching it over and over again because um, uh, having to watch Warcraft was totally uh, made better by watching Seventh Son this week. It was it was such a great experience. I really really loved watching that movie this week. Now well, I guess I, I'm gonna have to watch Air, Ironclad or something. What I think? Oh wait, well, Ironclad is no, Ironclad is no Seventh Son though. Keep in mind. But what what uh, I think is going on with with this and Seventh Son? Charles Levitt is uh, he co-wrote Warcraft with Duncan Jones. He was one of the credited writers on Seventh Son. But do you know who the other credited writer is? No, no, I don't. A fellow named Stephen Knight. Who uh, has? I think we most recently know him as the writer of a little movie called Locke. <laughs> oh my God, you're uh, you're kidding me! So yeah, You've so for whatever reason, me. the guy who writes Locke gets uh, pressed into service to adapt this this fantasy series, and he and Stephen Levitt do the script. So uh, uh, Charles Levitt, I believe. Stephen, I'm sorry, Stephen Knight is the Locke fellow. Uh, so Seventh Son has some weight behind it, and. Whatever carried over from Seventh Son to Warcraft, I, I think is. Uh, well, this I, isn't about a divorce or anything. Like, there's no. Th- well, you know what? Let's let's well, unpack that. It's about like uh, you know, yeah. I accidentally loved her, and she turns out to be the bad guy, kind of a thing. Wait, uh, you mean Warcraft? Isn't there that kind of thing going on? But she's not even bad. Wait, who who is the she you guys are talking about? She's doing a Dark Knight. Wait, who's the she you guys are talking about? Paula Patton. Oh, oh, oh! Right, okay, right, 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 right. Wait, but she's why, not the bad why, guy. Why was she actually? What do you mean she's actually a bad guy? Well, no, she's but, doing a Dark Knight. She's pretending she's the bad guy to make peace. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. Well, no, it's I, I fell in love with a blank, so that the the girl Paul Avatar? Patton is is um, the daughter of a um, of an orc and a human, right? Well, that, and you it's know, that's, that's the thing, right? But, you know, but what, how the orcs never knew who humans were. Like, how does right, that? Right, she's half Draenei. They're from another dimension. Yeah, that made no yeah. sense. Yeah, but yeah. when yeah, they're when it's they're awesome. doing that whole thing with those little blue creatures, which I didn't quite get who they were. The Draenei. Yeah, I don't think we have to know. They're just like the 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 local fauna that, yeah, but, that gets sucked out of. That gets their souls sucked out to power the gate. I think. But the reason that she can interpret for them to the to the slave master who says that he has to keep them in order to power the portal is because oh, right. she's half breed. So they know she's a half breed. And they t- does she doesn't she also talk about like knowing how to speak English from the prisoners or something or. Why does she look half human? Yeah, but then how would she learn human language from Draenei prisoners? Uh, I don't know, but but there's the seventh son thing of of a half breed, kind of like uh, I'm half witch, half human, kind of a thing. Right, right. Um, uh, see, that's the thing; it's so tangled, but you don't want to know. Like, if I <laughs> well, found, if they gave, if I found out the reason, I go, all right, well, so okay. <laughs> well, I do think there is because I do think that at some point, Duncan Jones is not an idiot. I think Duncan Jones is. Creatively, as we saw from Moon, this guy has got stuff that should be made, and he knows how to tell a story. And for whatever shortcomings we thought source code has, there were some fascinating bits in it. So it's kind of – it's intriguing to me to look at this Warcraft script and think, was there ever a point where this was something that Duncan Jones really wanted to make, where he could put his imprimatur on it and he he could create something? Like, was this ever not a complete mess? And I can't help but think that maybe there was a point where this was a story about like refugees or you know cultures learning to get along, and that it was ultimately a very downbeat story 
which says, you know what? They can't. Individual people can get along, but as bodies, as societies, we can't understand each other. Because uh, I, I kind of if it, in in looking at this movie and thinking, okay, what things did I not hate about this? Yeah. I, I really liked the downbeatness of the ending. I liked. That the the good orc and the good orc's wife died. I like that the king died. I like that we're left with this Empire Strikes Back kind of, hey, everything's terrible, and now there's going to be perpetual war, and we haven't, you know, we haven't made peace. The best we have done is uh, had people take charge who aren't going to who aren't going to completely destroy their respective races. You know, I liked that the 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 guardian of this whole world was corrupted. Uh, by his own like greed, like like it was his own playing with this evil fell force. Um, so I, I liked kind of how downbeat it was about the whole prospect between orcs and humans understanding each other. Um, and and maybe you know maybe there was a point where it wasn't a terrible script and where Duncan Jones could have made a cool story about this. Uh, but even well, all that, like everything you just said, is just it's because of that corruption that caused all these issues. Well, right, and the fell so would be yeah. sure, but the fell would be a metaphor for for greed or, or for hatred or jealousy or whatever. Um, and I like too that they don't explain. There's it's like the Force in Star Wars where you just get a line about it. It it binds and connects us or whatever that line is about the Force. Uh, the fell, I don't think they ever really like they talk about it, and, but it's not something that that has a. A lot of exposition explaining where it comes from or what it is or what it does. It's just something that everybody's assumed. You know what it is. It's dangerous. It's green, <laughs> right. uh, and it and it, it's what destroys uh, Ben Foster's character, which is what leads him to bring the orcs in and creates this. So you know, it, you don't have in a, in a good story that could be a metaphor for hatred or greed or misunderstanding or whatever. Well, for me, I, I mean, I really like what you're going with, Tom. For me, the moment where that kind of took hold for me is for orcs war solves everything that 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 bit of di of dialogue for for orcs war solves everything it, it started to latch on to me for sort of the difference between say the bush doctrine and the obama doctrine i mean really i was looking for anything but this this idea in in you know kind of looking at the poster where whereas uh, you know, there's there's green and blue in this. The poster goes with red and blue, and I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Um, but this idea, wait, um, I mean, this idea of we've ruined our world. Now let's go into another world, or go somewhere else, right. or preemptively attack that whole thing. So I was kind of looking at and wondering if there was some of that writing going on as well is is this idea of we're, we're just going to attack uh, preemptively we're going to take over because we have to we have to be able to protect ourselves protect our young that's you know that's one of the that, that things about the 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 woman orc going in there with her baby we're we're sending we're sending in our you know not colonists but we're protecting our young um, well, and also they've destroyed their own land. Uh, yeah, you know, they they, yeah. they need to leave. They don't. They, the land can't sustain them. It's it's uh, it's it's not just conquest for conquest's sake. Uh, it's conquest for survival's sake. Um, and that's where I got this weird sort of feeling about Interstellar, where we'd ruined our Earth, and now we're going out into other worlds to figure out where we can figure out, you know, where can we conquer, and so. There were those things that I was wondering if Duncan Jones, because I, I agree with you, Tom. I, I, 
having watched Moon and loving it so much, and even liking Source Code a lot, uh, I, I felt like I could trust him as a writer to some extent, and he must have had some of it, some ideas. And I do uh, like I, I do respect that it's not even with this idea of that for the orcs war solves everything. That's not necessarily set them up as a villain, uh, right? Because they, they also. Just like Ben Foster's character, they're under the sway of uh, a, a corrupt leader. Like, like they are honorable. They believe, you know, when they see the corrupt leader basically cheating, they turn against him. Uh, yeah. They have standards. You know, they're not just bloodthirsty savages. Uh, and that's kind of a cool thing to do in a story about, you know, humans fighting monsters. Uh, and I like too, even though the the animation stuff was really creepy to me. Like there was something yeah. really weird about the. The odd proportion of the orc bodies, and I, I appreciated how far they went with it, but it, I never could get past just how weird that looked. Um, but there was definitely an effort to make us sympathize with the orcs and make them protagonists as well. Um, and that was kind of cool. Too bad it was in a crappy movie, though. So how did the orcs look to you guys? Kelly, you said you liked the look of the movie. Yeah, and I liked the orcs. I liked that their hands were really big. Although I don't remember thinking that when I played the game, and I was... Just um, well, part of what that is, Kelly Wand, is the game. Uh, what is it? Twelve, fifteen years old now. Whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. The the game is at a time where you had a very limited polygon count as far as what surfaces you could build in 3D. So you couldn't very well do little fine fingers. You know, but in they early sort of games. Yeah. In early yeah, games, right. creatures have big old hands in order to show that it's a hand, and that's part of the art design that, as you said, has been retained in World of Warcraft. These cartoony proportions. Um, yeah. So I feel I like, like they, they did the best they could with that in the movie, but it just still, still looked weird. I liked the weir- that weirdness, okay. and I liked how that the fairy tale quality of that bl- of the of Wow's look was incorporated into the movie. Like I thought that was something that, that was really successful. Yeah, so much oh. of that just bounced off of me. It just felt like really? generic fantasy, I guess. But the thing is, like, I associate Blizzard with jokes, like, and you click on stuff, and right. it makes noises, and there's just an elegance to it, and, and kind of just a casual brilliance to their games. And I didn't see any of that sort of, that funness in this. Like, this was a very portentous movie. Well, even though uh, some of the guys, some of the big head honchos at Blizzard are credited as, as producers on this, I can't imagine Blizzard had... It either A, had much to do with it, or B, really knows what they're doing in terms of making it. Metzen was a writer on it. Yeah, but uh, you know, a mo- writing a movie – as you well know, Kelly Wand, writing an MMO, a multi- an online multiplayer RPG, is very different from telling the kind of story that a movie requires. Uh, yeah. It's- so Metzen being a writer for a movie, even though he's done a great job making video games, I don't expect that necessarily translates to being able to do well with a movie. And I think this is kind of evidence of, of it. Is that, like yeah. you said, this has no sign of, of Blizzard's polish or their humor. Right. Um, yeah. There's yeah. none of that, which is why I think if Blizzard had much, much input on this movie, they don't really know how to make movies. So either they didn't have much input, or their skills don't translate to movie making. I don't know. Did it feel like a cutscene to you, like a long two-hour Blizzard cutscene? Not even because <laughs> Blizzard cutscenes. Funny that have... you say that because one of my notes when I was writing this was, "This is the longest cutscene I've ever watched." I, I'm actually reading this from my journal right now. This is the longest cutscene I've ever watched. But the thing but, about yeah. cutscenes, and especially Blizzard cutscenes, is they're paced well. Like yeah. a cutscene knows, okay, we've only got this much time to tell the story. Let's uh, right. let's. 
do such like, like Blizzard's promo stuff for Overwatch, for instance, is mm-hmm. they they tell they do really good cutscenes and they're yeah. like you said they get to the chase and I, this is this is a cutscene and they show a lot of characterization characters in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I talk about this? Such a weird. Can I talk yeah. about the orcs for a second? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Dingus, how'd they work for yeah, you? Yeah. You don't, you know, you have no expectation for what what an orc is beyond Lord of the Rings. Um, I hated the way they looked, uh, even though they looked, you know, totally like huge and bulky and sexy. And I mean, they're, they're, they're huge and muscled, and they have all these teeth and and like, these huge claws and all that. But but they're coming from a world where they say, where one of the characters says, "Remember when there was meat? When there was what? When there was meat." Oh, he says, you know, remember, right. you know, after that that thing where like he draws the deer into the baby and nothing ever happens with that until he becomes Moses. Um, uh, well, I think it's that's for later movies. Oh, is it really? No, I don't know. I mean, I doubt. Warcraft's gonna, the middle. My over under. I will get back. My over under is one off video game movies. <laughs> but that's a, that's a, you know, uh, Chris Markinson says baby in the river. Really, I I did feel like that that shot of the baby sailing way upside down because that was how Draco was seeing it. Um, but uh, but what I didn't understand is if you're coming from this desiccated world that you've destroyed with no meat and nothing that you guys can do, why are they coming through looking like they are they've been they've been working out with Arnold Schwarzenegger for the last twenty years? I mean, wouldn't it be? I mean, I think it would be so much more interesting to have these orcs come through looking completely uh, unlike orcs normally look, just completely wan, but they have some other powers or something, but th- th- they are so incredibly buff when they're saying, remember th- when there was me? Yeah, which we just ate, I guess. They're, they're huge dudes. It's, it's that old thing of like of a, of a guy who's been in a terrible situation where we're supposed to believe that he's been in a horrible circumstance, but he still looks perfectly healthy. Yeah, it's, like it, it's like in the movie where someone says to a really good-looking like lead actor, "You look like shit." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. These, these guys are huge. Yeah. Like, hey, remember when we meet? Yeah, I remember that. Well, the yeah. thing is, what we don't know is how big they were before. No, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> they could have uh, been golems. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the actors in this. So, Kelly Wan, that Ben Foster was amazing. Uh, yeah. What did you guys think of Ben Foster? Uh... I thought he was. There are no wrong answers here, Kevin. You know, I kind of saw what he was trying to do, uh-huh. but we don't know enough about him to see to know to like feel something when he turns out to be the villain. The character, you mean? We don't know much about the Guardian. Yeah, we didn't know him before. So when the guy's all, this isn't the Medivh I know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you mean that enigmatic person who enunciates everything very carefully? <laughs> First of That's all, I want to point out, came- I am the only one on this podcast who doesn't know people's names. Kelly Wan, you rolled out Ben Foster's character's name. Dingus just rolled out the name of the chick orc. How do you guys remember that stuff? I didn't even remember Travis Fimmel's name. Wait, what's the name of the chick orc? What did you call her, Dingus? Draca? Draca? Oh. That was Chris Markinson. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, that was Draca from Chris Markinson. He also knows um, Medivh, you know, the whole thing about, you know, I guess you're talking about Ben Foster. Medivh turning evil seemed to happen too quickly for Chris Markinson. Uh, all right, Seaman Beaumont. <laughs> Mr. I didn't know. Yeah, and Chris didn't think that the movie showed a good time, a good thing of the time passing. But whether that, I, I don't know. I thought Ben Foster. 
I love Ben Foster, but that whole thing where he's lounging on a table at the end, and I, I didn't get any idea of, like, wait, how did he... They're constantly putting him in a bathtub, bringing him out, and then he's on that table at the end. I, I don't he's know. like Samantha Morton in Minority I, right? I think there's, there's, there's certain actors who can do this kind of thing, and certain actors who I just don't like Jeremy buy. Irons. Um, I was I was happy to recognize him, uh, but uh, you know, uh. it is nice when he shows up when you're watching a movie where you don't know who anyone is, and it's like, oh, a friendly face, finally, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly somebody right. I yeah. know. Uh, Do you well, like I, him in this? I did, I did a lot, even though I don't think he's it's a necessarily a good performance. I liked how I could just see with every moment he was on screen, the subtext of what he was doing was, okay, I'm going to be in your silly movie. I know I'm better than this, and I don't mind showing disdain, but I'm going to be here in your silly movie. Uh, and that kind of works for the character, I think, yeah, in a yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, and it reminded me – maybe this isn't fair, but it just reminds me of watching Alec Guinness in Star Wars and knowing – you know, after the fact yeah. and knowing how, 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 how much disdain he had for the project and for fantasy and for the script and for George Lucas and the other cast members. Like – it's kind of interesting watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi performance knowing that subtext. Uh, but he, he knew it would make money, or he was the only one who thought it would be a hit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Alec Guinness thought, wow, okay. Really? And no one else did. Everyone else was right. like, this thing's going to suck. And he was like, no, nah, you'll see. Wow, well, good for him. Uh, I hope, he got, half, that, I hope he got some of that back end then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it, and it, it's in marked contrast, too, to someone like Peter Cushing, who – you know, Peter Cushing will throw himself into a movie 110%, no matter how bad the material is, and he just does it with such conviction, and he, he elevates the material. Whereas it's kind of funny watching someone like Ben Foster, like stooping under a low doorway, deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. It's ridiculous, but here I am. <laughs> I just, yeah. uh, I, I just kind of. Wine is a mage, so it's like his power yeah. is making hand gestures and shooting CG. So you know that's no fun to shoot. Like it's probably the one of the lamest things you have to act because you have to overact to show that you're doing something. Well, that's that's another reason why I love Seven Sons so much. And this is again, sorry to bring this up again, but we had only two listeners you chime in this week. But Chris Markinson thinks that he liked <laughs> Seven Son more than this. He's you know I think. I think Jeff Bridges does a great job. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Bridges movie. is definitely more on the Peter Cushing side. Like he knows yeah. how silly it is, but he's doing an actual performance, and he's actually throwing himself into it, isn't he? Yeah. And and Julianne Moore too. I mean she's just yeah. – she's just like – she's drinking that blood. I mean she's just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And she's just – she's grabbing the – she's grabbing the part. She's totally going for it, and she's not necessarily chewing more scenery than her character needs to chew. I mean, she she knows exactly how much that character needs to chew, and just watch Jeff Bridges like do that same voice he's doing, and just be able to do it so convincingly. Even though you know he's not doing any of this fighting, but I couldn't give a flying f that he's not doing any of this fighting. He's so good. He's so good. And Dingus, how about that Angie Trow in uh, Seventh Son? Did you recognize her? No, no. Who are you talking about? What? Uh, the chick from Pandemonium and Superman. Uh, uh, she plays Alicia Vikander's mom who turns oh, into the good dragon who fights the Julian Moore. Oh, dragon. I loved her. She's pretty hot. Yeah. Oh, dang. I loved her. How about Dominic Cooper in this movie, though? All right. Yeah. How about uh, Dominic Cooper in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's he's so silly. Sense of joy. That armor at the end where he has to put the armor on. That hat, yeah, it's like a hat with a mouth around it. It's like you just put your face in a mouth. You're peeking out of a shark yeah. mouth. What, who made that helmet? That's what uh, I like that. No, that's I, started, I started giggling when he put that on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really, really like um, – uh, he's in a TV show right now called uh, Preacher, which is an adaptation of a comic book that Kelly Wand is really Wait, into. Dominic Cooper is? Yeah, he plays right. – he, he's the eponymous preacher, and I, the, the, I think the TV show is a mess. I have no idea what's going on with it. But what's amazing in this TV show, there's an actress named Ruth Nega in the TV show – who I mean, it's a great part, but she is just, just every time she's on screen, I can't tear my eyes off of her. She is so good in Preacher, and I've seen her before. Uh, she's Irish. You wouldn't know from Preacher, which is set in Texas. But I've seen her before in a horror movie called Isolation, which is – and I've told you guys about this before. It's alien set in a dairy farm in Ireland. Uh, and and – Ruth Nega is sort of – she turns out to be the, the, the Ripley of it, the heroine. But she's so good in Preacher, and they put her in Warcraft as the, the, the queen that Dingus hated. Like, and they don't really give her much to do except sort of look all doe-eyed. Kelly Wan, you called her Minor, Coo- Minor Kula. Mira Kunis? Kunis, yeah. Uh, and I love that actress, but they didn't do anything with her. I don't and, hate her. I just hate the, the whole total dismissal of women in this movie. I mean, it's like you know, when he goes off to battle, he's like, all right, you're the man of the house. You're 12. Good luck. Well, you have a queen there. How about she take charge? And then at the end, it's like, all right, we're going to give the sword to this dude. Well, can the queen do something? Hello. So it's not – it has nothing to do with her. Did you say her, her name was Ruth Nega? Yeah, Ruth Nega, who's awesome. Well, if she's badass, then they totally – Hey, uh, Ash and Alien has milk for blood, so that would make sense on a dairy farm. Wow. <laughs> He's not. There's no. There are no replicants in the movie Isolation. By the way, uh, let's do some over unders. So my overs and unders are video game video game adaptations that are so bad. There's only ever going to be one of them. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I say that, but I really do think Legendary is. They might make enough in China that they do some sort of cheapy follow-up i don't i don't know we'll see like a starship troopers straight to video right right exactly i've seen the legendary logo so many times well they've done great stuff i mean legendary was basically born from uh from uh i guess was it uh dark dark knight or batman begins i mean jumper Uh, they've also i thought i remembered it from league of extraordinary gentlemen maybe that's something else really they might have they might have um that far back i could be wrong well, so so my my over for a one-off video game movie that isn't very good, and it's my over because I I wasn't into the visuals of this as much as you were, Kelly Wand. In this horrible video game adaptation, there are a couple – well, I say a couple. There's at least one really cool scene that just has some amazing visuals, and it, it almost has nothing to do with the video game. It feels completely out of place, but by virtue of this one weird scene with this angel – my over is the Max Payne movie with Mark Wahlberg. Wow. Yeah. Better than Warcraft. And then my under, because it's similarly a mess, but doesn't – I don't remember a single thing about it. And I'm sure I'll at least remember a few things about this movie, um, like Travis Fimmel, for instance. Uh, the, I love the, the fact that they had him barefoot at the end. Great touch. I love having you know the warrior with all that goof. Everybody's got goofy armor on, and his boots got caught in the clay golem, so he's running around fighting barefoot. Uh, mm. But a movie uh, based on a video game, there's only going to be one of them that I don't remember anything about, so therefore worse than Warcraft. 
uh, the Prince of Persia movie. So uh, those are my overs yeah. and unders. Uh, Dingus, what are your overs and unders, and what did you? Uh, what was your approach to this? All right, my overs and unders are based on um, toys that were made into movies because I know that the <laughs> Warhammer movies like had a lot of little miniatures, and those are basically like little toys. And so this is because this is a Warhammer movie. Um, minor, minor, based on toys. Okay, is that right? does that make sense? Uh, I, I can I I know exactly what you're going to pick. I'm not going to spoil it though. I'm going to let you say. All right. So my over is this movie called, and I'm not even kidding actually. That, and I wanted to ask you guys what the hell was going on the, during the scene. But there's that there's that scene where they where they decide that they're going to have the summit, where like you have to meet so and so. All right, we're going to go meet, and then we're going to make a truce, and something's going to happen, and then they all meet at, in this like valley with these huge cliffs all around them, mm-hmm. and they make a truce. Um, with dude one and dude two, and then guys come out of the ground. I don't know who those guys are. Who the, who, who are those guys? I know, right? I think they were just other orcs who were on to the fact that they were being betrayed. Is that so? Right, they're not Alan? like trolls or some other like race or something. I don't think so. They're just other orcs, right? Kelly, wanted to back me up on this. You you know this stuff. You know the lore. Which movie? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so during this, um. I don't remember his name, but um, Ben Foster is standing over them, and he's doing his, like, Medivh, the Guardian. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. He's up there. He's doing his, like, and then for some reason he faints, and so the wall that he casts has to stay there, and then Callan or Caliban or whatever that stupid son who suddenly shows up has to die, um, and he can't remove the wall. That whole thing reminded me of this this movie that's really a video movie that I saw with my son called Bionicle the Legend Reborn. And um, I, I know you're going to think I'm trying to grief you. I'm not trying to grief you. Uh, I have had to watch the the movie Bionicle the Legend Reborn, which is based on a series of toys that are Lego toys, but that kids build into these heroes, and uh, and they're called Bionicles. And and for a while, I thought, this is totally stupid, but there's a, this whole movie franchise built around the Bionicles. Not movies, like videos? Like, actually, what do you mean movies? Well, okay, they're videos. Okay, so, like a little hour-long – it's like a series. I, like I, I honestly think that this should be a TV movie rather than a movie that we actually watched. Um, so, uh, yes, and, and I, I freely uh, realize that if we had an over-under cop, I'd be put in jail. But I'm putting Bionicle the Legend Reborn, which is a video movie, but something that is a, a movie length. That you would watch that you would watch with your kid on Wait, movie length. Hold on, ninety minutes, really? Yeah, easily. Oh, oh, okay. Because I thought I thought it was like the trend. Like there were uh, there are all these TV series based on like like X Men and whatnot. No, no, no. That are just throwaway little half hour things. So this is an actual well, movie. Three of them. It's an actual movie. There's like okay. there's 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 uh, Legend Reborn. There's the um, the Mask of Light. There's uh, Metronuary, there's a there's a bunch of these things, but I think the best one is Bionicle Legend Reborn. The reason I choose that is because that very scene where they're having their little summit down in the in the in the bottom of this huge chasm, and you go up on this on the promontory or up there on the cliffs, and Ben Foster's then you know that that actual camera move reminded me exactly of the moment uh, in uh, Bionicle Legend Reborn. And another one of those movies where they, they they have these little scarabs that come out, and one of them becomes one of their friends. His name is Click. Uh, I, I mean, I've had to watch these things so many times. But 
having watched them so many times, I realized, good Lord, one of these terrible um, toy movies that was remade, uh, that was made into a movie for kids to watch is better than this terrible thing that one of the, that the director who made one of my favorite movies ever made. Oh, it drives me nuts that this happened. I don't know how this happened. So uh, anyway, the over would be Bionicle, The Legend Reborn. Under would be another toy movie, and that would be Battleship. Ah, I knew that was coming. I thought you were going to put a Transformers in there, Dingus. Okay. Nope. No, no, no. The, uh, the Transformer movie that we've seen that I really loved is way above this. Well, but Wait, right. Battleship's better than this. You crazy? Battleship yes. rules, brah. No, it does not, brah. It's funny, isn't it? Now, Dingus, I don't know if you know this. Uh, so Duncan Jones did a Warcraft movie. Um, Jonathan Glazer is doing a Bionicles movie next. Are you kidding? Stop yes. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you it's a TV movie, well, though. The unfortunate thing is it will, it will only be released in 10 years. It's movie length. <laughs> Ten years. Maybe like I love that Dingus briefly believed me, Kelly Wand. I, I feel like I've abused my, my position of trust. Mm. <laughs> you totally just oh, janked me. You're preying on the weak, Tom. You shouldn't be proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's tired of doing movies like Under the Skin and Sexy. Preying on the weak. That there was a Star Wars quote in this movie. There was a Star Wars joke. Did you guys catch it? Boomstick. No, yeah. it was uh, only works on the simple minded. Do you remember that? Is that no. a, yeah. I, well, it's the, uh, the the guard that gets turned into a sheep. Only, yeah. Only works on the simple-minded. That's clearly a Jedi line trick. See, so I, I, think it's Dingus, no, I think it's yeah. Dingus not understanding how you determine your saving throw to polymorph. Or maybe yeah. it's a simple-minded thing. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what are your overs and unders for Duncan Jones? Should we be calling this Duncan Jones Warcraft? Yeah, well. I think we should. All right, Kelly, when you're you should over- be calling it Duncan Jones's Warcraft the beginning. Uh, and the ending, yeah. probably. No, I don't know. You really think oh, – you know. might be right. I mean, like I China. said, they're, they're going to clean up overseas. I don't uh... – It'll be Chinese, and that might, that might make it better, though. Because they'll go, all right. Because I think they were trying to appease – they really – I think – see, I disagreed with what you said at the beginning of the podcast. I actually think they wanted this to be a huge hit domestically. Well, of course they did, but I, I yeah. think at a certain point they realized this is this is terrible. There's not going to be much of an audience for it as we hoped. I mean, things just move so slowly. They never slow. know. They yeah. never know, but things move slowly. And you know, when a studio releases a movie, they put out projections of what it's going to make, and they they know what they're talking about, and they tend to get pretty close. Um, I, I think studios know how much. That's what focus groups is about. And, and uh, but everyone, no one thought Deadpool was going to make. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah, they did. What? Yep. The guy, but the same Deadpool did better Fantastic than Four. expected. It, it, it did better than expected, but uh, they knew going up that, that, like going up, leading up to the release, that Deadpool was going to be a monster. I bet. And I don't it's know. If not that to much. go back and look at the projections. Um, I bet so. It seems like they always guess wrong. Like they're they're always like a hundred million off, and they go like, "Whoa, that's crazy." Well, who's People the thing? Really the studios? I don't tracking. It's well, they always reported ahead of time, like they know, right, right. Like, like they're weathermen or something. I'll but bet you, you could be right, Kelly Wan, but I'll bet that if we went back and looked at the projections before Deadpool opened, that uh, it did better than expected. But I would guess no more than like you know what, ten million better than expected. I think they go every time they make a movie like this, they go, "Will people care about the writing?" Hopefully not. They didn't care with blank, blank, and blank. Right. Because right. Dark Knight Rises made a lot of money. 
didn't it? Yeah, but again, that's you know you, you can bank on well, what you use to determine how much money a movie is going to make is yeah. very rare, rarely the quality of the movie, and is, is um, it tends to have more to do with the licensing, the name recognition, uh, right? That's the what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's so they thought. Oh, Warcraft. Video games don't sell movies. I mean, that's that's why there's no Halo movie. That's why uh, I, I think this Assassin's Creed thing that that's being released in in, in December isn't going to do well. Uh, video games do not move movies, but they keep trying. Sure, well, they keep trying because it's a ready-made IP. They're going to break the curse, and this will be this is considered a success because of the Chinese box office. Right, but I don't think they think they're going to break the curse. They just know there's a there's a calculus going on here, Kelly Wand. How much are we paying for this IP, this intellectual property, right. uh, versus how much are we going to make back? And and video game IPs, I think, are still cheap enough uh, that you know they're worth buying to tap into whatever uh, mind share you get when you buy that. Uh, and I think, I think comic book properties, for instance. Uh, are not that cheap. Like I think they those are a proven quantity. I think The Martian nominating that as a comedy was a bit of a rip. But if this was nominated for best comedy, I think it that's made that totally makes sense. <laughs> well, we'll see next year with the Golden Globes. Yeah, we will. Yeah. yeah. Right, Kelly, on what are your overnight? What's a movie that's better than Warcraft and a movie that's not quite as good as Warcraft? Because I know you tend to bracket very very closely. You put a lot of thought into these. I do. I'm a thoughtful man. <laughs> I can't help it. That's just the hand nature dealt my brain. Sure. Um, so my over is Dungeons and Dragons, which we talked about earlier. Which I'm I sold. I, w- I will see it. I'm sold. Yeah. Um, and it's just got things in it that I remember happening more. While as I can't really like you, I didn't remember Glenn Close happening, and I don't remember any of the lines Dingus is quoted from Warcraft. This podcast. I don't even remember. The moment I saw, I was like, "Wow, Glenn Close is in this." And I, it, my my first thought was. Wait, why would she do, she do this? But then my second thought was, you know what? Remember what they dressed her up in in Guardians of the Galaxy? And she gamely went along with that, and she was fine in that. Uh, I think Glenn closes up for doing crazy things these days. Someone and also think me... of what she would have had to do is sit in a room with a couple of balls attached to her face and just right. go, hey, yeah. yeah. or she calls it Thursday. Oh, Kelly Wan, so rude. But anyway, if I could bring the house down um, – Someone told me yesterday, was talking about how Judy Dench was in the Riddick movie, and I was like, she wasn't in the Riddick movie. I'm like, yeah, she was in Elemental, yeah. And I'm like, what? So I didn't remember that either. So that's my point. I think Judy Dench has done her share of goofy stuff, too. I mean, right? That wasn't her choice to make. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's the goofiest thing that Helen Mirren has been in? Excalibur. Oh, very good. Kelly Wan, nice pull. Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with you saying that. Kelly, what are your overs and unders for Warcraft? My overs, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, right, right, right. What is your under? What's a movie that's not quite as good? Doom. I kind of like Doom. It's got Dwayne Johnson in it, you know. Ugh. What? And Carl what? Urban, my Dwayne Johnson. One, two, three, not only me, got I love that you brought up Dwayne Johnson because at the end I thought this is the worst Tooth Fairy movie ever. Wait, why is it a Tooth, tooth Fairy? Is funny. Wait, what's your deal with Tooth Fairy? Don't make me That's defend what I thought tooth, fairy, tooth Fairy. Because the guy snaps off the guy's tusk and goes, "I will now take this for your good. Oh, right. Bring your soul to him." That's terrible. That's what happens in Tooth Fairy. Yeah, no, I think it hasn't seen the Tooth Fairy. 
you guys haven't seen the Tooth Fairy. You're not qualified. The, you know what makes the Tooth Fairy good? Do you guys know who the comedic, who Dwayne Johnson's sidekick is in the Tooth Fairy? Seriously, Kevin Hart. Keep guessing. You, know, uh, you, you really don't know because this Steve is Steve Merchant. Very good. And Stephen Merchant and Dwayne Johnson together. I mean that that's good. It works. They're funny. Like Tooth Fairy is not a great movie, but just that that weird pairing. Those guys yeah. are fantastic together. There should be a Tooth Fairy sequel. Dead comment. Huh. Th- this was Did it. Anybody... Yeah. <laughs> but without the Dwayne Johnson and without the Stephen Merchant. What's her name? Carries around her mom's tooth. I mean, they call it a tusk. And then at the end, like the dad's tooth gets ripped off, and now we're going to deliver it to your kid. It's a terrible like inversion of the Tooth Fairy myth. Get a load of Dingus, first of all, complaining about the treatment of women and calling the main chick in Warcraft, what's her name? Dingus, how dare you? That woman, yeah. Paula Patton, she has a name, she has a pair of magnificent breasts, and up, huh? she has a cappuccino-colored uh, skin, and she's got like full lips, uh, and I'm sure she's a very bright woman, Dingus. And her name is Gaiden, or Gaijan, or Kuda, or Kapu. I'm pretty sure it was Corona. Right? They kept saying Corona, I thought. Da, 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 no, it's da, da, Corona. Yeah, but it sounded like Corona. That's what I, so there's one name I did remember from the movie. So, okay. Yeah, you remembered it. That's yeah. what happened just now. <laughs> uh, I, I also keep forgetting is I, – I constantly confuse, and I can't get past this, uh, Paula Patton and Rosario Dawson. No, they're totally really? different. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Because I was watching the <laughs> work. Both, I think I'm poor, poor woman Zoe Saldana. <laughs> Uh, dingus. She's the skinny one. She's too skinny. But I was watching Warcraft thinking, oh yeah, I've seen this chick totally buck naked in uh, uh, that Danny Boyle movie. What was that? Trance? Trancers? Tracers? The thing where James McAvoy forgets where he hid something. Paul Patton's <laughs> naked in that? No, that's the thing. It's Rosario Dawson. Rosario that's Dawson. Good. And it, it basically the fact that she shaves her pubic hair is a plot point. So you have to see at some point that she does that in Josie and the Pussycats, too. <laughs> well, they put the pubic hairs onto all the beards in this movie. Dingus. What? <laughs> Travis Fimmel, I, I, do, I do think Tra- Travis Fimmel needs to shave. He's, he's a, he's a good-looking fella. He should uh, gussy up a little bit there. Maybe. No, he's the grunge knight. Yeah. He looks like Alexander Sarsgaard, doesn't he? No, he looks like the Revenant. Ah, very like good. Peter yeah. Sarsgaard. All right, let's do a three by three, Kelly Wan. What have you done to us this week? Oh my god! This week's exciting topic is three best cheerleaders. I love this. I movies. love this. I absolutely love this. <laughs> wow! Which, See what that, you made Dingus do? Yeah, Dingus, did you break out the pom poms for that? I don't have to break them out. They're always here. <laughs> Dingus right. is going to beat the kids from down the block with his uh, moves. I am uh, introducing next week's 3 by 3 so I'm going to be going first. And actually, I, I did like this topic for the movies that it, it, oh. it afforded me the opportunity to rewatch, although I didn't watch the main ones. Um, my third Did you favorite, say I didn't watch the main ones? Well, everybody knows what we're thinking of, right? That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eliza Dushku, right? Oh, seriously. I know. Uh, well, I watched all of them. Or, or how, about, how, about, how about Christy Swanson? Right? Is that the other one? I watch it. The original Buffy, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Did they offer gymnastics at your school? I don't know which movie Dingus is referencing there. I think (laughs) D&D. 
Well, you have to settle for something if they don't offer gymnastics. Never mind. You just brought up Elijah. Never mind. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. but I, that's the thing is I didn't watch Bring It On this week. Uh, I didn't go for the easy stuff. Well, not the easy stuff. I didn't. I wanted to uh, explore the more obscure cheerleaders in cheerleaderdom. So, this is not a cheerocracy, though, Tom. I know. <laughs> My third favorite cheerleader in a movie, uh, I got to watch again, uh, 21 and Over, which is – have you guys seen it? Please, or do I, have to- uh, I don't see movies. I'm not old enough. To no, I was busy watching The Seventh Son and Over. Because 21 and Over, it's The Hangover, guys, and it's Miles Teller before we knew who he was, and he's so good in it. And, and it's mm. it's Skylar Aston, the guy, who, like Anna Kendrick's boyfriend from Pitch Perfect. Um, 21 and Over is really, really great. And anyway, uh, one of the notable characters in 21 and Over is a male cheerleader who will correct you and, and say – actually, it's – when his girlfriend is talking about him, she says he's not a cheerleader. He's a yell leader. Uh, <laughs> and you later meet him. He's a total douchebag. But the hilarious thing about him is his two sidekicks who, when he gets in a fight, are cheering him on. And his name is Randy. They're saying, yeah, Randy, kick his ass. Kick his ass, Randy. Uh, and it escalates to things like, yeah, Randy, break his spirit. Break his spirit, Randy. Uh, and then one, on of, that day. one of them gets so carried away. With cheering Randy on, he's like, yeah, Randy, yeah, Randy, fuck me in the ass, Randy. <laughs> Everybody stops and looks at him. And he's, no, I mean, I mean, fuck him in the ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I love the goofy male cheerleaders in uh, 21 and over. And they're kind of the villains. All of them? Uh, there's three of them, and they end up being uh, – I hope this isn't a spoiler. And Kelly Wan, I know you hate redemption, but they end up being kind of lovable characters. Hmm. Like the mean girls. Yeah. And there's a great scene, by the way, where one of them <laughs> gets rammed by a buffalo. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is the one who wants? Wait. <laughs> there's a rampage. It's, it's the hangover, guys. The, 21 is over is all about these incredibly outrageous things that happen in the course of one night. Is it the Randy admirer? Because that's what he's into? It's Randy himself. Uh, he's he's oh. standing there, and there's this great gimmick where a buffalo is running amok at a, at a, at a cheerleading party. So the guy's a foreshadower. And the, thing, the funny thing is, and I don't know if this is intentional, uh, everybody's wearing, like, everybody's dressed up for the big game, and they're all wearing red. So I don't know if the joke is that the, it's actually a bison. If the bison, like, do bisons, are they supposed to charge at red, or is that just bulls? This is another one of my things I love how you pronounce it. It's bison. 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 Wait, bison? Yeah. That's what you call a, yeah, a, bison. a buffalo the, where the bison room, home, home in the range where the bison room. A bison, and they often work bison? at windmills. What yeah, do you, a, how do you say it? It's a bison. It's not a bison. Said. Wait, I thought you were telling Tom it was pronounced bison. No, he just said bison. He said bison? Okay. I forget now. You know what? There's no, I don't know what to believe now. There's no general accepted pronunciation because it's, an, it's a Native American word. Okay. And we don't know how you to mean orc. <laughs> so Wait, anyway, say it again, Tom. Bison. Hmm. Dingus. Wait, did I say it just like Dingus? Yeah, I just now said no. it. No. You bison. said it right. Yeah. Wait. But yeah, isn't that right, Dingus? Or did I just adapt to what you said? You're fine. Bison. Yeah. You're moving on. I apologize for interrupting you. At any rate, uh, this, the the yell leaders in Twenty One and Over, uh, and Twenty One and Over is really good. I don't know what y'all's problem is. You might be confusing it with like Project X or one of those other dippy teen movies. Uh, Twenty One and Over is definitely an adult movie. Uh, the fact that it's about college age kids and Miles Teller, it's you know what he is better in this simply because he has to carry more than he is in uh, Whiplash. Yep, true story. And I love him in Whiplash, 
but Whiplash, a lot of it is just him responding to J.K. Simmons. Uh, and That's he, his tempo, though. Yeah, well, he's he's carrying – like 21 and over is basically as good as it is because of Miles Teller. So there you go. Is that the movie where the Asian kid's dancing when a cop says get down? Jeff uh, Chang, yep. It's all about that. Just like in Honeymoon – or Honeymoon, Hangover, they have to find the guy who's about to go to his wedding. In this, they have to find the drunk Asian kid, Jeff Chang. And it's the same title a little bit. Yep. It's the over mythos. Hangover, 21 and over. Exactly. It's the oververse. It's always over. It. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dingus, what is your third favorite cheerleader in a movie? Did they do the do-over? No, unfortunately, no. It, it, the do-over is terrible. They should have, though. It might not be right. terrible. I like where you're thinking, though. Hmm. Okay, sorry, Dingus. I did really know that instantly. <laughs> That's Very quite right. All right, my third okay. favorite is from a movie that has this quote in it. Uh, do the words editor-in-chief mean anything to you? Rushmore. It is not. Um, It is uh, something that Jordana Brewster says in the movie The Faculty, where she Uh, is both a cheerleader and the editor-in-chief. What? That makes no sense. I know. Does she wear pom-poms in the outfit, though? Uh, It doesn't matter. She's a cheerleader and the editor-in-chief. And I I thought of this this week because um, uh, we watch a a show around here called Veep, and uh, uh, Somebody I used to know who used to be a friend of mine um, that I used to be in acting classes with named Cleen Duvall is Ann Beep, and she is in the faculty. And for some reason, these things just glommed into my brain at the same time. And I really, really liked Jordana Brewster in Fast and Furious. I really thought she was awesome in it. And I suddenly remembered, wait a minute, she was both a cheerleader and editor-in-chief of that newspaper, and she has such a great part in faculty. So I had to pick, because uh, I kind of went with offbeat and weird ideas for cheerleaders um, in this particular list. We were just told she's a cheerleader, though. She never cheerleads in the movie. Right, you you made no stipulation about there having to be cheerleading in the movie. You where said, do you get? Where do you guys get to my numbers two and one? So yeah, Kelly one. I might, if you're going to pull Dingus over, you might as well preemptively throw me in prison. I believe I'm you just, just said favorite cheerleaders. Yeah, you can make an, any observations you want, but you didn't say favorite. <clears throat> no, no, I'm just <laughs> checking out your license and making sure that you're not being uh, raped or carrying fruit over the state lines. Right, well. All those things may be uh, happening, but uh, but she is my third favorite cheerleader. Also, I just have a thing for Trinidad and Brewster. I, yeah. You know, when I saw her in Fast and Furious, which I immediately loved and everybody else hated at that point, uh, I just thought, man, she is so great. She's so great. She's giving Paul Walker tuna fish. Um, so she's, she's a cheerleader and an editor-in-chief, uh, given the fact that um, – I used to be married to somebody who was uh, who had been a cheerleader and is also a PhD. Uh, there's an understanding that people can be cheerleaders and also super awesome. All right, Kelly Wan, what is your third favorite cheerleader in a movie, and why on earth did you pick this topic? Oh, I picked it because I like cheerleaders. <laughs> My f- number three is um, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Here we go. See, I might have to pull myself over for this. This is. Do good. you remember? There, there's like an assembly, like a pep pep rally, and Spicoli's like kind of sleeping through it, and the cheerleaders at the front going, "You know, it takes a lot of courage for us to get up here and do this." So, 
and everyone's just like, Ugh. so she's not one of the main characters. It's not like Phoebe Cates. Yeah, we never see her again. But I like her. I like the one, the sad pep girl. Uh, who's the actress who played her, Kelly Wand? Uh, that's a young Angelina Jolie, actually. <laughs> that would be typecast. So right. that's my number three. Does she have a name in the credits? Is it Sad Cheerleader? It's yeah, it's Sad Cheerleader Pep Girl. Awesome. Oh, by the way, Dingus, you should watch a movie called Nearing Grace with Jordana Brewster, where she's like a kind of a. You'll see. Just watch Say it. the name of it again. Nearing Grace. Right. Her name's Grace. Is this another situation like you recommending that I see London, where it's a movie that you haven't really watched? I watched the Jordan Energy Brewster parts. She's a, she's a really fun character in that movie. Yeah, I, I like her Very earlier sensuous. funny work. She's, uh, she's got issues. I'm just saying. You like it. Anyway, my number three, Sad right. Pepper. My second favorite cheerleader in a movie, and here's where uh, we don't know for sure this woman is a cheerleader. Um, but in this movie, and this is a – you guys aren't going to know this movie. Nobody's going to know this movie but me. It's a really mean-spirited, cruel movie. Uh, it's one of those that's like not for dingus. Kelly Wand, it might be for you. Um, uh, it's it's a movie that starts with – you know how when Alien starts, uh, the camera is moving around in the ship and just showing you this ship with no one in it. There's nobody awake moving around. It's just like an empty ship, right? And it's this creepy bit in the beginning of Alien. So this movie opens with just a normal-looking house, but there are all these shots of the house, and there's nobody in it. Like there's a faucet is dripping a little bit, and actually there's a cat running around in it, but nobody's home. <laughs> and you see all these shots of it, and there's no dialogue or anything. And then the front door, somebody starts monkeying with the front door. And then it comes open, and a guy comes in, and he stands there in the front door, and he closes it behind him. And – Whenever there is a shot of him, either his face is out of the frame or it's behind something. We conspicuously do not see this guy's face as he walks around the house considering things, and he obviously doesn't live here. He goes in the, into the bedroom, and he opens drawers, and he goes in the bathroom and looks at stuff, and he turns on the TV, and he checks out the refrigerator, and he even pets the cat. And then he goes back to the front door, and he stands there, and he stands there, and you can't see his face, but you can tell he's thinking, and then he suddenly walks out. And then you have a shot at the front door, and it's empty, and you think, okay, well, that was interesting. What's going to happen now? And nothing's happening, and nothing's happening. And then the front door opens, and he comes back in, and he's carrying a big old duffel bag, and he starts pulling like rope and duct tape out of it, and he takes a drill, and he drills all the windows shut, and he's setting this house up as a trap. And then he goes, and he hides, and he puts on this weird Vaseline stuff. Actually, it is Vaseline. He slicks his hair back, and he takes out this freaky wooden mask. It looks like a clown or something, and he puts it on his face, and now the camera will show us his face. And then he goes and he hides, and we hear the people who live here coming home. And at this point, the movie takes a really weird turn where we're watching these two really annoying, not very good actors trying to be all naturalistic. Like they've just come home from a from a night out, and they're a, married, a young married couple, and their baby is with the, the grandmother, and they've had fun at a nice dinner, and they're kind of dressed up. And they think they're, you know, obviously alone in the house, and she's being all frisky with them, and she says, I have a surprise for you. And she goes upstairs, and she takes out a cheerleader uniform, and she lays it on the bed, and then she takes a shower, and she comes out of the shower, and she puts on the cheerleader uniform. And while she's doing that, the creepy guy in the mask is downstairs murdering her husband. And the rest of this movie called Home Sweet Home 
is this really uncomfortable, weird slasher horror movie thing, which has an uh, uh, the ending does things that I I did not expect it to end the way it ended, which I love about it. Uh, with this cat and mouse between this creepy murder killer guy and this woman in a cheerleader outfit who that she had put on to, to seduce her husband with, and it didn't quite go as she planned. Uh, so the movie is Home Sweet Home. Uh, it's directed by a French guy named Robert Morley, uh, who I don't think he's done – he's done some TV since then. Um, I think it's a Canadian movie. Super obscure, but I love the fact that the, the lead actress, who's not very good, uh, in all these imperiled situations is running around in a cheerleader's outfit. So there you go. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, Dingus, not for you, but Dingus, right. what is your second favorite – cheerleader in a movie so real quick kelly one is that okay yeah i guess because obviously she's been a cheerleader or she wouldn't have had this uniform right yeah but also mine's sort of iffy too so it's sort of it's a wash okay pep pep squad girls aren't the same as cheerleaders really oh i didn't even think of that distinction all right but she's wearing a cheerleader outfit she's definitely wearing a cheerleader outfit and i presume Uh it's because she was like no grown woman goes out and buys well actually i don't know do women go out and like buy cheerleader outfits to, to like cosplay with their significant others? I don't know. Maybe they do. Never been a part of my own interaction with a girlfriend or anything. Yeah, they do. Okay, okay. Thanks, Kelly, one for clueing me into that. Uh, I want. Well, never. Okay. Uh, so, Dingus, what is your second favorite cheerleader in a movie? All right. Um, here's a quote from it. You should have such inadvertent heroism. <laughs> That's telling him. <sighs> Pretty sure it's Rushmore. Close. It's from a movie called Love and Death. Uh, it's by Woody Allen. Uh, so my second favorite cheerleader is Woody Allen in the movie Love and Death. And um, I happen to have to watch this movie. It's not much of a chore because it's one of my favorite movies ever, uh, and I've watched it many, many times. Um, and this is uh, when uh, Russia and uh, the, the forces of Russia and the forces of France are contending on the battlefield. And it's this ridiculous moment early in the movie, um, I don't know, about 30 minutes in, uh, where uh, the Russian forces are running down the hill, the French forces are running down the hill, and all of a sudden there's this little cut of uh, Woody Allen standing there with – I don't, you can't call it a megaphone. I don't know what you call those things. They're megaphones, don't you think? What what's the thing that where where you're just yelling? It, I think of a megaphone as an electronic thing. Right, but I mean the 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 later ones, but those things that are just cones, like you I put on a dog's head, but longer. Those are called megaphones, aren't they? <laughs> All right, I guess you must be right. I, I love the the idea that you that you associate that with like a cone on a dog's head, <laughs> yeah. like a mega cone. <laughs> um, well, Dingus, I wasn't a cheerleader in high school, so I don't really right. have a frame of reference for those. Um, and I. And I was having, you know, I was just trying to think of things, ways to think outside of like the normal things, because my first one came to mind immediately when when Kelly said this topic. My first one was no doubt, but it's it's one that Kelly will, might have a problem with. Um, so I was thinking about other ones that might work, and and I and I was watching this because you know my girlfriend wanted us to watch this with our with her mom, um, Love and Death. And uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of this battle battle in Russia between the French forces and the Russian forces, there's this terrible little cut of Woody Allen and these two cheerleaders behind him in these in this. I mean, they're so it's just it's so cheap 
it's so goofy, it's so terrible, and I so love it. It's they're they're basically wearing white T-shirts that somebody has written Russia on with a, a sharpie, and they're wearing skirts. And he he might be wearing shorts or whatever, but they're just basically cheering on the forces of Russia to fight against France. And I I love that that whole idea of uh, because there's this other idea in in this movie. He's constantly making these jokes about war. Boy, boy, the um the the battlefield looks so much different up here where the generals are and then you you cut to a scene of a bunch of sheep running around in a meadow um and so he's just making jokes making goofy jokes about war and and that that whole cheerleaders thing so woody allen is my second favorite cheerleader thing is what battle was that uh that was the battle of agincourt <laughs> oh yeah the squig herders uh got a stalemate though <laughs> kelly one what is your second favorite cheerleader in a movie uh, my number two is um, okay. And the third, bring it on, bring it what? on, all or nothing. Hayden Panettiere, she's a girl who's transferred to a rough school, is the plot line. So she's at, she's in the ghetto. You know. Now, did you actually see this, or you just read the synopsis on IMDb? No, because this is the part that made me pick it. Is at the beginning, she's dreaming that she's doing a cheerleader routine, and you think she's in real cheerleading routine and then she farts and then the crowd starts booing her and then she's like no I didn't fart and then she wakes up screaming that happens in it see what I get so for asking Dingus no, I, I, I commend you for trying Tom do you believe any of that happens Dingus or do you think he just made it up it's the opening scene in Bring It On All or Nothing we'll watch it together I don't think either of us are going to verify it, and so we might as well let it go. I didn't even realize there was a third Bring It On. I'm not even sure I would have known there was a second one. Was it in 3D? Dingus, you're thinking of Step Up 3D. Now, I follow the Step Up movies. Bring It On, though, I don't understand. I was actually thinking of a Jaws 3D. 3DD. It would be Triple D. Speaking of Double Ds, my favorite cheerleader in a movie – actually, I don't know. She's not – uh, that's unfair. Uh, my favorite cheerleader in the movie, and this kind of doesn't even count because they just mention she's a cheerleader. Although you do see one sequence where she's leading a cheer and she's like spinning the whole flag around and she's in the cheerleader uniform. Um, but the movie is not really that concerned with her being a cheerleader. It's just one of the, the plot points. It's just one of the, the character traits about her. And it's an excuse to show her in slow motion twirling the flag, wearing the cute little cheerleader outfit. Um, mm. And this is a character named Jennifer Check, and the the movie is about – she's not the main character, but the movie is about her. And what the movie does is it uses the fact that she is a cheerleader, that she has a beautiful body, that everybody likes her um, to tell us a story, and it's a horror movie, about uh, the power of women and, and how they use it and, and how potent it is. Uh, and I, I don't understand people who aren't into this movie because I think it's it's certainly the best thing Diablo Cody has written, and that's not necessarily saying much. Uh, but I think Jennifer's body is really, really smart in ways that it doesn't get credit for. And I love how it uses Megan Fox and her appeal and her celebrity and the assumptions you might make about her to tell this story. Um, and it's also about her relationship to Amanda Seyfried's character. 
uh, Anita Lipinski, I think is her name, and they call her Needy, which I think is an adorable nickname. Uh, and so the fact that Jennifer is a cheerleader, you don't really – they don't make much of it, but it's just a facet of how important she is at school and what a, a big deal she is. Um, and I, I just love her character. I mean I'm not a Megan Fox fan, and I don't even know why she's a big deal other than that she was in uh, the Transformers movies. Um, but I have no idea where she came from before that. Like I guess she was on TV or something. I don't know. Was she just a model? Whatever. Megan uh, and Fox. Yeah. Oh. Because it's a big I never deal. Heard of her since the Transformers. Well, they score. Okay, maybe that that is it. Maybe she was just a Michael Bay find. Um, but Karen Kusama getting her for uh, Jennifer's body was was quite a coup. I mean, she's she's really good in it. Um, and I so Kelly Wonder, are you with me on Jennifer's body? I forget. Are you? You- mm, I don't know. I go back and forth on it because there's a lot of Cody, you know. Um, but not – And none of the other characters are very good. Um, really? Like I kind of – well, you know – You like more than me and I – Well, I think the reason like- none of the other characters are very good – and I will grant you this. It's just so concerned with them in a Bechdel test kind of way. Like it doesn't want to just – it just wants to be about their relationship. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels kind of stagey. Oh, sure, sure. It definitely is. And when you consider it's Karen Kusama. Have you seen The Invitation, Kelly Wand? No. I <sighs> keep see it. All right. It's, I, if I saw it, then I wouldn't have this ritual to enjoy anymore. <laughs> Where I ask you if you've seen it, right? Yeah. Uh, so at any rate, my favorite cheerleader is Megan Fox's character in Jennifer's Body, where mm. the idea is uh, you know, feminine power as, as a demonic – uh, otherworldly entity, um, and not feminine power just in terms of being hot and sexy, but in terms of even how women interact with each other. Uh, it's not just about sex, by the way, which is one of the cool things about Jennifer's body. Hmm. All right, so there's my favorite cheerleader. Dingus, your favorite cheerleader is probably from Rushmore, right? Probably not, since oh. there's none in that. Are there really no cheerleaders in Rushmore? Oh, I guess it's a boys' academy. Yep. Well, if I could have found a bunch of boys chillers, I would have happily chosen those. Well, 21 and over is the movie for you, Dingus. All right. Happy to watch it. Uh, do I need to watch Jennifer's Body? Kelly, why uh, is Jennifer's Body for Dingus? You know not what? for Dingus. No, no, it is for Dingus because he liked The Invitation, and I think he appreciated Jennifer's Body, here's the thing. Jennifer's Body is, I would say, about 80% Karen Kusama and 20% Diablo Cody. The the precious Diablo Cody dialogue uh, fits in terms of what Karen Kusama is doing, I think. More so than Juno. Like, Juno's great, and I know Dingus loves Juno. Um, and Juno is super precious with the dialogue, and not necessarily in a bad way. Like, it loves the Diablo Codiness of its dialogue. Uh, that's just another aspect. That's just one minor aspect of what Karen Kusama is doing with Jennifer's body, is that, that Diablo Cody self aware, uh, cool dialogue. Hmm. So yeah, Dingus, it is for you. There. Kelly Wan says no. I say yes. When and if you get around to seeing it, let us know which one of us is right. Yeah, right. who wins? The Dingus off. Yeah. <laughs> and come on, Kelly Wan, the part where where Amanda Seyfried and, Jenner and Megan Fox make out, come on. That part's great. I know. But and then the rest of the movie, you're like, I hope that happens again. <laughs> no, it only had to happen once. I mean, if you Sounds want... like a minor wild things to me. Oh, no, no, not at all. No. Now, Wild Things has a lot of good value in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wild Things is awesome. Yeah. What is a quote from your favorite cheerleader movie? Or movie cheerleader in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. We never got to be teenagers together. I'm going to fix that. Big. Uh, it is not from Big, 
Um, and this is uh, when you were talking about, uh, what was it, Home Sweet Home was your second film? Home Sweet Home, yep. Oh, uh, oh can is, I guess? Can I guess? Because I think I know. Go ahead. Let me just say this. Is Viggo Mortensen in it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ah, good. Okay, because I actually watched this for this thing. Because, yeah, very much like Home Sweet Home. Go ahead. Yeah, I love this movie, and I watched it again this week. Uh, it was so weird to hear the Howard Shore mu- music after um, watching – uh, so much after listening to so much music for your music pick uh, a couple of weeks ago, Tom, because Howard Shore does so many of those things and Viggo Mortensen is in this. Um, and so it's weird to get all of that sort of mixed up in your brain because, you know, he, he does a lot of those same things. But this particular scene is between um, Mario Bello and Viggo Mortensen. And uh, this is a history of violence. And it's the David Cronenberg. I kind of gave it away earlier when I when I blurted out the that I have a problem understanding the difference between David Cronenberg and that other guy you guys were talking about. Um, uh, but man, I so love this scene. I, I, it is one of, um, my favorite sex scenes. Uh, and it is so well juxtaposed against the later sex scene, which is one of the most disturbing, but still, still weirdly sexy sex scenes in a movie ever, ever done. And so, um, you know, there, there's there's a movie we talked about I think a couple of weeks ago um, maybe I just talked about it where uh, a guy um, just uh, winds up in a town and he's like a man with no name and he creates uh, a new identity for himself and so uh, this guy's name in this particular movie is Tom uh, his name is actually Joey, but nobody knows that at this particular part of the movie. But he's he runs a diner. He's this uh, super nice guy. He has, you know, what could be referred to as a farm. Uh, he has a family. Um, it, it's not a farm that actually grows stuff, but it's just a farmhouse. Uh, he's got an older son. He's got a younger daughter. And he's got a wife, and they all sort of take care of each other. He takes care of the farm. And at one point, the, the wife who has to drive him to work uh, because his truck won't start yet again, um, decides just to pick him up from work one day. And she's like, well, you know, our son is off doing whatever. Our daughter's off doing whatever. Um, you know, let's go home. And he's he's made some sort of a joke about going to, like, you know, tonight let's go make out at the drive-in. And she's like, well, there's no, we don't have a drive-in. Um, and we don't really know who these people are yet. But what we come to find out is that they don't have a past together because, you know, he doesn't have a family. He wound up in this town. They didn't have a past. They didn't get to have, and she's from this little small town. They didn't get to have a high school teenager existence together. They never experienced that. So she says, we're going to, we're going to get to be teenagers together. We, well, we never got to be teenagers together. I'm going to fix that. And so she just says, you go into the bedroom. It's just a married couple having a date, um, in their bedroom late at night. And she just says, go in there. Don't, you know, don't take off your clothes. Don't take off your shirt. He, he actually goes in there and starts to unbutton his shirt. And she's like, don't take off your shirt. She says that from the bathroom. And she opens the door and she just is in this cheerleader outfit. And she starts to do this like seductive thing with him. And she raises her skirt up and then well, she yeah, just over to him. When she flips up the front of the skirt, that's like a whoa, that is hot. Yeah. Oh, she's... it is so whoa, that is hot. I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable if you start describing in depth the rest of that scene. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily describe the rest of the scene. All right. 
um, in depth as far as the sexuality of it. Uh, let me just say that it is one of my favorite sex scenes in a movie ever. Because it's, it's this, it's this couple that have been together forever. Obviously, they've got kids. But, but, but she's, she's kind of taking back and going, uh, I'm going to give you a little something special tonight. And she shows up in a cheerleader uniform. She climbs on top of him and takes, and, and they, they go through this, and Cronenberg does this whole thing, and and these two, um, all I can say is in this scene and the later scene, which is this weird, um, you know, bordering on rape, rough on the stairs scene that totally works and is totally uncomfortable, but still has this amazing sexual energy to it because these two actors and this director just commit to both of these scenes, and mainly. Because these two actors are willing just to do it. I mean, there's so much going on in the scene where you're, you know, having been an actor in in scenes, you know, not as far as this is, goes, but in love scenes, it's really difficult to kind of do that. It's weird to commit to that. But Nico Mortensen and and Maria Bello commit. They go they go for it. Um, and and uh, I I love that scene so much, but. Mainly what I love is her opening the door and being in that cheerleader outfit and just doing that sort of I'm going to fuel your male cheerleader fantasy thing. Um, uh, so, yeah, she's my favorite cheerleader. Kelly, on this is a lot of insight into Dingus. Do you have anything nearly as revelatory about yourself for your number one pick? Your favorite <clears throat> cheerleader movie? I wish to do a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it ever happens. Yeah, I was gonna say I hope it's a Ben Foster line. Go ahead, sorry. I'll do it as Ben Foster. <laughs> Look, whatever happened last night, I faked every bit of it. <laughs> and then Willie Ames is all. Oh, good lord! I could, I should have guessed. Yeah, that's why. Jane. That's why he picked this. And then she stops and looks back, and he's all. That's why it was so good. Of course, it's zapped. Of course. <laughs> Uh, who's the cheerleader in this movie? Heather Thomas. Oh, of course, right, right. I don't know. I kind of wanted to do Denise Richards, but she's like a cheerleader in four movies, and I couldn't. They sort of all cancel each other out. What movies is she a cheerleader in? I mean, actually, what movies is she not a cheerleader in? She's like, a cheerleader in Tam and the T Rex, uh-huh. Starship Troopers. No, she's not a cheerleader in Star. Oh, yes, she begins Starship Troopers. Okay, fair enough. She becomes a pilot, though. Yeah. Okay. She has hidden depths. Fair enough. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Okay. And Wild Things. She's a cheerleader in Wild Things? Is Naomi... Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Not Naomi Watts. Uh, who's the other chick in uh, Wild Things? Naomi... Uh, Shoot, what's her name? From... <sighs> Isn't it Naomi something? No. no. Rapace. Yeah, I'm sure she was in that. It's Numi Dingus. Her name is oh, Numi Rapace. It's right, an in word. She's from like Party of Five or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nave Campbell. Oh, right, right, right. No, oh, good lord, Naomi. I wasn't even close. All right. It's uh, Nev. Nave Campbell's the Nev. Man. Is Nave? Cam- <laughs> Let's just say Nave to drive Dingus crazy. Is Nave also a uh, cheerleader in that movie? No, she's the she's, punker. Okay. Yeah, she's an errant Nev. So. All right, right. But then there's another cheerleader with Denise Richards who washes Matt Dillon's car with her. Huh. But she doesn't get any dialogue. All right. Unlike the chick in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, who got dialogue, that cheerleader. Yeah. Kelly, what do the listeners have for us for their favorite cheerleaders in movies? 
Heather Thomas, Tom. I don't know who that is, by the way. She's on Fall Guy. Well, yeah, why do I, I don't know what Fall Guy? She's is. in a movie about a, a magic motorcycle called Cyclone, and that was the last time I ever saw her. I don't know any of these things. I, I have no frame of reference for who she is. I should probably watch Zapped one of these days. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit. <laughs> Scatman Crothers has a scene with Einstein in it. There's nothing good in Zapped, please. What? Biggest, mm. Can you, Dingus, have you seen Zapped? I forget. You're, we, neither of us have seen Zapped, right? No redemption in Zapped. No one learns anything. <laughs> That's why it's great. So basically no character development whatsoever. No, there's character development. Oh, oh I see. But on Barney, Barney's part. Barney? Scott Baio. Oh, yeah. Scott Baio named Barney. One of the lead characters yeah. is named Barney. Yeah, he's the main character. Barney. Dingus, you haven't seen this, right? His love interest is Bernadette. Yes, I, I saw Zapped when I was a child because there were breasts in it. But then you grew yeah. up and became an adult. And right. you put behind you your childish ways. Yeah. Uh, all right, Kelly, what do the listeners have for us for cheerleader cheerleaders in movies, their favorites? As I remember, there were tan lines. At the end, uh, Willie Ames all... Plenty of punch left in those watermelons over there about Heather Thomas's boobs. And then the boyfriend's like, I've had about enough of you, buddy. And then they have a fight. But That's Scott Baio intercedes. It's very rude. He's objectifying her. Rob Lowe writes, Hey, guys. Yes, my name really is Rob Lowe, but I've long outgrown my Michael Bolton from The Office feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he means office space. But yeah, this was a great topic because there are so many great cheerleaders. Here are my quotes in movies for best cheerleaders. Number three, Courtney, this is not a democracy. It's a cheerocracy. I'm sorry, but I'm overruling you. Obviously, Kirsten as Torrent Shipman in Bring It On. Great. My secret weapon is PMS. That's just terrific. Thanks for telling me. Tom? Is that Jennifer's body? No. It's your other favorite. Home Sweet Home. Christy Swanson. Oh, I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen that. I saw it a long time ago in the theaters. Uh, but I've not seen Buffy. Perry's in it. Who? Luke Perry's in it. Oh, well, I should check that out. Isn't also, uh, uh, what's the Pee Wee Herman guy? Is it Paul Rubens? Is he in it as well? Does yeah. The vampire? Yeah. I think Isn't I Donald Sutherland? Wow, Donald Sutherland is in it. Isn't he the mentor in it? I don't know. Number one, I don't think that there's anything worse than being ordinary. Ooh, I like that Mina, Mina Suvari is Angela Hayes in American Beauty. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. I didn't think about that. I forgot that she was a cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah, that's where he falls in love with her. Because she's doing that thing with a hat. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's all like he's watching her in slow motion and everything. Yeah. I think they shot that at my school, Dingus. <laughs> Thanks for making my Monday commute a little better, Rob Lowe. Paul Weimer writes... Two four six eight. What cheerleaders do I think are great? <laughs> Number three, the eponymous Kelly Swanson's Buffy. Oh, we called her Kelly Swanson. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. And Buffy starts out as <laughs> cheerleader before becoming the Slayer. And you think he's co- he's confusing uh, her with you? You think that's yeah. what's going on? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Tom, I'm a hard body from the eighties. <laughs> Ask Bateman. <laughs> Number two in Sky High. Penny, Malika Hack, and Khadija Hack, Hawk, is not just cheerleader, but thanks to their ability to make clone copies of 
entire cheerleader squad for the titular superhero school. Yeah, they're uh, evil, evil clones, cheerleaders. Tom. Wow, okay. Number one, Megan Fox is Jennifer. Jennifer's body is an iconically amoral and self-centered cheerleader even before the whole demon possession thing. Thank you, Paul Weimer. Yes, regards, Paul Weimer. Grant Stewart, here's my totally legal picks. Number three, Carrie Green is Andy and the Goodies. Was a total screen crush during the 80s for me. In case you want to rewatch it, she was over 18 at the time of filming. Legal. Was she a cheerleader? I don't remember that. I guess so. Yeah, I remember at the beginning, she's doing that thing with the ghetto blast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. By herself. Yep. She's the only one. Number two, Elizabeth Shue's a cheerleader called Allie in the 1984 Karate Kid, another screen crush for me. She was so adorable, carrying a bit of weight as a teenager during the 80s. Also over 18. Legal. Oh, she was a cheerleader? Yeah, I remember that. I just remember her playing soccer with him, but all right. So when Grant Stewart said legal, I thought he meant he wasn't going to get pulled over by the 3 by 3 cops. He's got a much more lascivious interpretation of the word legal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that was coming. Grant Stewart, you should be ashamed of yourself. I don't pull over for that. (laughs) I just want to watch, too. Number one, in the 2005 History of Violence, there's an early scene where Maria Bello dresses up as a cheerleader for Vigo, who's playing her husband. A graphic sex scene ensues. Totally legal. Ciao, Grant. So I, is it, I don't think it's graphic. It's super erotic, but it's not what I think of when I think of graphic. It's not graphic in that – I don't know what you mean by graphic. Do you mean that it's – you see not penetration or something? Yeah, what do you I mean by graphic? I'm uncomfortable with you using that word. Well, uh, he, he pulls her panties off. They, they, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, right. there's – but it's, it's not graphic it, it, in the sense of you don't see actual, like, nakedness. There's no nudity. There's no nudity. So, right. yeah, there's no graphic nudity, but it's a beautiful sex scene from the point of view of two people being intimate. I mean, in, in, in an obvious – there's this obvious role-playing that they're trying to do um, where they're playing with thing each is, other. thing is, I told you, if you get all explicit about it, it's going to be super uncomfortable. I'm just, you I'm just saying – to a couple of dudes each other, and there's it's just there's beautiful intimacy to it, but it's also super hot. I mean, it's it's a super mm-hmm. hot sex scene. Damn it! When I think of graphic sex scenes, I think of a Lars von Trier's Antichrist. That's not a sex scene. That's violence. How dare you? Because uh, first of all, you haven't seen Antichrist, and second of all, no, it's not. All right, sorry. I, you're right. I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, by the way, thing is not for you. Actually, not for anyone. That, that, that's not for anyone. Yeah. All right, mm. I'll just go back and watch that one where the planet bumps into what's her name. Where where uh, she takes a planet to the face. Yeah. Yes, Kristen uh, Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, excuse me. Yeah, she's never played a cheerleader or anything. <laughs> My go-to sex scene movie I think about is Demon Seed. <laughs> I thought it, I thought you were going to say D and D. No, he did far worse than that thing. He didn't even want to know where he was going. Oh. You're absolutely right. Hmm. See what you're doing to poor Dingus, Kelly Wand? He doesn't even know what you're talking That's oh. Roll to see if you're surprised. <laughs> um, Arthur Giovanna Jelly writes, number that should, three. That should be your tagline, Kelly Wand. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what? Roll to see if you're <laughs> surprised. <laughs> the Ben Foster story. I don't recommend watching it. Sober. The 
fuck just happened? I mean, <laughs> Arthur Giovanni Jelly. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Dodgeball. <laughs> Forgot where I was. Number three, dodgeball. Justin Long's failed cheerleading tryout hits him especially hard because he's infatuated with a cheerleader named Amber, played by Julie Gonzalo. The way that a romance plays out, the way that their romance plays out is pretty hilarious, including Long finally getting to do some cheerleading when the squad needs him the most. Number two, bring it on, Dushku plays Missy Pantone. <laughs> wow, I didn't know. It's quite the... Wait, that's good. That's good yeah. writing. Get it? If you Missing think about pants it. one? Missing pants. That's good. Well done, writers. Bring it on. I finally get it. 2016. A gymnast who moves to a school without a gymnastic team, causing her to take up cheerleading as a last resort. She doesn't take to it all that quickly, experiencing lots of nerves, but eventually warms to the situation in a very charming way. Because that dude makes her mixtape. Did you see the Jamie Presley parody of the Kirsten Dunst character in uh, another team movie? I, I don't know what that is. But it's also her little brother, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, he's... Dushku's brother's into Kirsten. Yeah, right, oh, Jesse I'm... Bradford. Yeah. yeah. Ben Foster's in Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What is Can't Hardly Wait? I waited for Jennifer Love Hewitt to arrive at a party for the entire movie. Wait, he's in a is it a romantic comedy with Lost Jennifer Love Finder. Hewitt? It is a romantic teen comedy. Wow. Graduation. Wow, all right. Look it up <laughs> and learn a little something about prodigies. Okay, thank you for that, Ben. Not sure what they're talking about. Number one, uh, bring <laughs> it on. for our 310 Yuma podcast. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst plays Torch Shipman, the new captain cheerleader that must... Captain cheerleader? That must struggle to keep the program great while moving away from the cheating of the previous generations. Wow, that sounds so deep. Alexander Burns writes... I promised myself no matter what topic, I'd follow through and write in this week. A few ideas came to mind, but nothing really stuck out. So I started going through uh, history of violence. I mean, once a cheerleader, always a cheerleader, right, Officer Wand? This is possibly one of the sexiest scenes for me personally, not just because of the outfit, but how naturally it seemed to flow. The couple smiling, giggling, and truly knowing each other. Now contrast that with the next time you see them do it. You. Thanks for whatever, Alex. P.S. Thanks for everything. See? Good for Alex, by the way, for insi- for like forcing himself to come up with something. I, I admire that sort of stick to Well done, Alex. I agree. Thank you, Alex. What about what I did? You have heart, too. <laughs> Chris Webb writes, My third choice is perhaps the most famous of movie cheerleaders, Kirsten Dunst. Obviously, I speak of the movie Marie Antoinette, in which Dunst is Outside of melancholia. Wow. Unaccustomed to the opera-going habits of royal Frenchies, Antoinette leads an audience in a cheer of applause at the conclusion of a performance. Later in the film, she'll lose the prep, pep, necessary. Later in the film, she'll lose the pep necessary to lead such a cheer. I'll let Kelly extrapolate on my final picks. For my number two selection, start with Allie Larder and add the quote, do you want whipped cream? Oh. Ooh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, the Paul Walker movie. Yeah. Vanderbeek. Yeah. And number one, duh, Jane, you're slouching. Wait, 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 back up. What What Paul Walker movie? 
Blue Ruin, Blue Football, uh, no. Blue Varsity Blues, Varsity Blues. Blues. Yeah, she yeah. put. But Allie Larkin wasn't the cheerleader, was she? Was I thought she? Amy Smart was. No, wait. I thought no, it was no. Amy Smart. I thought it was Allie Larder. I think I'm dumb, and you're right. I, think it is I don't know. I just I didn't. No one would make he Chris Webb wouldn't mix up those two women. Yeah, yeah, Varsity Blues. It's a yeah, sports movie though. That's why I've never seen it. Like, Paul. Paul Walker though. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Paul Walker. He's yeah. the super quarterback. He gets his leg cut off or something. What? And James Vanderbeek is like constantly reading on the sidelines. Ew, James like, Vanderbeek. Ew. He's like yeah. I'm busy doing math right now, uh, but he's a super. He's got a super awesome arm. And the, he never gets in because Paul Walker is the star quarterback. He finally gets thrown into the game because Paul Walker gets carted off to the hospital. And then he becomes the star of the team. And then the, the head cheerleader like puts whipped cream on her breasts. That's the beginning, though, isn't it? That's actually like previously on. It doesn't even happen in the movie, actually. Chris Evans parodies the whipped cream part in Not Another Teen Movie with the banana. <laughs> What? Yep. True story. His butt's in it. Is that movie for me, Kelly Wand? Not another teen movie? Yeah. Is that for me? Uh, parts of it. No, there's no way. Please. You should definitely it's got Kyler watch. Lee in it. You should watch Varsity Blues, though, Tom. It's definitely for you. What? It's a sports movie. It's, it's, I'm not going to watch a yeah, sports You should movie. watch it before you watch the entire series of uh, Friday Night Lights. The whole That's game takes place at night. Oh, yeah, John Voight's the angry coach in Varsity Blues. Oh, my, any movie with a coach in it is not for me. He's always saying, God damn it. About something. Yeah, if we ever do a three-by-three three of our favorite coaches, I'm going to just have to recuse myself, because I can't think. I've, I Movies with coaches in them, I just don't understand. Three. What? Yeah. You don't like coaches? I, it's sports. I don't know sports stuff. Kelly's you don't been, like it when actors throw clipboards down? Why would they like do that? that? Because they're upset, their plays aren't working. Why does it, why does he have a clipboard? Like, why can't they just use a sheet of paper? Because they don't have the blackboard out on the field where they. What is it. a blackboard for? They're not teachers. It's, they're not professors. They draw like uh, their aggression lanes. Aggression. <laughs> vectors. Yeah. I, don't, and, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, you probably. You mean dingus or jocks? You're a civilian. <laughs> just go sit in the bleachers. All right. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what bleachers are. Why don't they just have chairs? Jesus. That's a good question. Because chair, chairs don't stack. Yeah, they do. They do the I don't know if you've chairs. seen a chair before, but chairs stack quite nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah, ask Poltergeist how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and number one, duh, Jane, you're slouching, of course, zapped. Uh, that's for... Um, Chris Webb's last one. Yeah, just well, to nothing like a little pandering in your three by three, folks. <laughs> She's an epic cheerleader. Chris Markardson. Hey guys, here are my three favorite cheerleaders. Number three. I can't believe I watched this movie, but Eliza Dushku looks pretty darn good and Bring It On. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it when she unclips. I don't know if it's like her trucker's wallet or whatever. But when they were like, okay, you need to do a back handspring, and she unclips that thing from her belt and throws it down. Her signature move is flipping you off, too, because she's tough. She's a tough girl from the streets. Fuck you, man. Because you can't say fuck in a PG-13 movie. 
Yeah, you can just once. Yeah, yeah, I know, but she can flip. She can flip people off all the time. Oh, right, right. You can get as many birds in as you want, as long as you don't shoot actual. Yeah, yeah, and she makes a face that goes with it too. Fuck you. She makes the face that goes with the middle finger. Yeah, she's got a good face for that. Number two, I'm guessing this is one of your picks, Kelly, but I'm going to choose it as well. Allie Larder in Varsity Blues looks very good in Whip Cream. <laughs> See, she was my first choice for that. I like the idea of the whipped cream. Number you don't one, even think my... it's her. You think it's Amy Smart. Yeah, I know. See, I'd rather see Amy Smart. Or Amy Poehler. Diggis, <laughs> you put a very weird image in my head. I'm not comfortable with that either. That's why I did it. She'd make it fun. Number one, my favorite cheerleader probably isn't a cheerleader. She does wear a cheerleader uniform in a scene, though. In History of Violence, Maria Bell looks very good as a cheerleader, and she succeeds in raising Viggo Mortensen's spirits. <laughs> Jeez, I totally thought I'd be the only one who, who snagged this one, and I oh, watched the on. whole movie this week. No, Diggs, everybody remembers that scene. Yeah, come <sighs> on. Man, dang it. That little, that little front flip of the that skirt she's wearing. I mean, yeah. that's just who can, that just is seared in the the mind of every male over the age of fourteen. Not only males, I'm sure there are a few females. Yep, three percent of them, according to stats. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just love the and I love the movie. It's so much. It's so great mm-hmm. a movie to watch again. It's, it's. I mean, I don't often get Cronenberg and steal that stuff in the coffee shop with that guy's face and. The other guy's nose outside the house. It's so weird. But it's so great to hear that Howard Shore I already said all of this, but it's so great to see that movie again and she's awesome. You're you're right. It's making sex scenes good is really hard to do, actually. I totally thought I was gonna it. Yeah, it's really hard to do. It's super hard to totally do. Totally commit to it. And I thought yeah. I was gonna sneak this on on all you guys. You plays, plays. No, it's a great one. And you really believe in them as a couple. And that's what's funny is like in Gigli, Ben Affleck and J-Lo were actually going out and they still have no – like you're like, these two would have sex. I thought you were going to say she was a cheerleader in that movie and no one's going to laugh at you for having seen it. <laughs> and you're right, Kelly. You do, do totally believe in them because when he reveals you know, the truth to her, she just throws up. She can't yeah. stand what's going on. She uh, – oh my gosh. I mean, And the, we saw them before hey, like that. That cheerleader stuff, you need that because then you you know like it's that's what they're losing, and that's what she makes the second sex scene and the way he looks at her after she um, prevaricates in front of Sam the the sheriff. Um, it it makes it makes all of that have so much more impact because of that earlier sex scene. It's not gratuitous mm-hmm. at all. So Warcraft was riffing on that scene in the in the tenth scene. Exactly. But anyway, I'm, I just thought I would totally get the scoop on you guys. And Tom's like, well, let me guess. Burr. And then everybody well, else guessed it. You, ah, darn it. See, I don't see this as competitive. I just think that, like if something's really popular, know, but, then that but topic. It's a pleasure to bring things to the table. Uh, anyway. Yeah, and it's not on mine, so I lost. Like I picked fucking Hayden Panettiere. At least you know how to say her last name, by the way. That's, that's well done, Kelly Wand. I know how to missay it, probably. And which movie was she in? Get on all or nothing. All right. The third one. Because I think in the second one, it's just, uh, it's like Rocky 2 and it's like a rematch. But in three, it's different characters, different cheerleaders. That's it, though, for listeners. All right. All dudes. Sausage uh, party. I'm surprised nobody picked um, uh, Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader. That's a movie? What? Yeah, you bet. It was just, she was just a woman. She was just a woman yeah. No, no. This is, well, there's Attack of the 50-Foot Man, Woman. Uh, this is Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader. It's about a... a there meek, was Attack. 
well, this one does for a reason. This is she's a meek uh, woman. She's like a super hot chick, and they put glasses on her to show that she's like meek and nobody in a wallflower. Uh, right. And she she takes a uh, a test serum that's supposed to give her like confidence, but it turns out it makes her like you know super hot. It gives her big breasts, but it starts making her grow. And she gets taller and taller and taller until she gets super tall. And she's a cheerleader, by the way. She takes this so that she can try out for the cheerleading squad. And she gets super tall. Um, and you know they have to hide her in the gym, and they're going to figure out how to create an antidote. But in the meantime, um, they hide her in the gym. Well, that seems like a dumb idea for a lot of reasons. Well, nobody like it's 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 the only place where there's enough head. How do they get her in there? Um, I don't know. You can take the top off of some gyms. They stuff her in a locker. Uh, or maybe she was in there. Yeah, I don't. Kelly Wand, she fights a giant spider at one point. What? That sounds great. Yeah. So, well, get this. The head of the cheerleading squad, Brittany, um, Brittany gets jealous of her. And so mm. she forces the nerdy guy who made the serum, she forces him to give her the serum as well. So she gets super big, but she gets super aggressive. So on the night of the big game, she goes out to the football field. And is like attacking people and stuff. And so the other cheerleader who's super big. Is that legal in the game? I don't think so. I mean, everybody runs off. Like it's for the most part, everybody runs off screaming. But then the good cheerleader has to come and fight her. So they fight each other. They're 50 feet tall. And in the fight, they rip each other's tops off. And they're sitting there fighting topless in Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader. Wow. True story. That actually happened. Well, the good guy. Why do the people run away then? Don't they want to see all that? Hands oh, on? well, they show uh, – lots of people are watching it online, and those people continue to watch it. Uh, her mom, by the way, uh, played by uh, Sean Young. Whoa. It's, yeah. Uh, typecast. It's yeah. a 50-foot monster, though, that you want to have fall on you. Uh, okay. <laughs> also, nobody picked All Cheerleaders Die. What is uh, that? Which is uh, – so Lucky McKee is a director we really like who did a, a movie called The Woman, a movie called May. Um, when Lucky McKee first started out, before May, May was his first movie, he did like a student project movie called All Cheerleaders Die, which was basically him – he's obviously a fan of horror – him just sort of riffing on slasher movies. Uh, well, after he became successful, he decided to do a remake or sort of an upgrade or a reboot of this student film that he did, All Cheerleaders Die, called All Cheerleaders Die. Uh, it stars the uh, female version of Cody Smith-McPhee, which is actually his sister. Her name is something-something Smith-McPhee, and she looks just like him except the chick. Uh, she's the goth girl, and in uh, an imbroglio where a bunch of the, the cheerleading squad uh, dies in a car wreck – she fishes their bodies out of the water and does a little prayer over them with these magic Wicca stones, and it brings them to life as undead, like zombie cheerleaders. And they then proceed to – I mean they, for the most part, they look normal, but they have to drink blood or whatever. Uh, and they then proceed to uh, like attack people and eat them and, and whatnot. And it, it's terrible, by the way. It's a horrible movie. Um, hmm. Don't they need to make their food 50 feet big, too? And then that way they don't have to kill as many people. Kelly Wan, you're back on Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader. You know what? Why don't you see it? All these questions will be answered for you. Because it's a very meticulously made movie. It explains why she fights the giant spider. It explains why their clothes come off when they're fighting. Uh, it explains why Sean Young is in the movie. It explains what Treat Williams' insidious agenda is, because he's the villain, by the way. Mm, that sounds like a treat. <laughs> uh, and also nobody picked, but I'm a cheerleader. Do you guys know that movie with Natasha? Oh uh, yeah, where she's yeah. depressed and yeah. gay, where she's gay. Yeah. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Wouldn't she know before then, though? Before then what? Before she tries out for cheerleading. Wait a minute. Not at that time, no. No? Okay. All right. Are you talking about the 50-foot cheerleader? Yeah. (laughs) She gets cast in the cheerleading squad. Actually, do you get cast when you try out for cheerleading? She's gay. And 50 feet. What is it called when they accept you in the cheerleader squad? You get cast, right? When she gets in the yeah, cheerleading squad, she's not giant at that point. She's normal-sized. You get elected. Wait, so do the clothes get 50 feet bigger? No. You can imagine the shenanigans that ensue. Spandex. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and my, one of my favorite cheerleaders, this isn't... I mean, you've got the whole rest of the movie to endure. But I think Spiders the chest... Fuck. Yeah. No, the, the, the not 50-foot cheerleader. This is a better movie. Actually, this isn't a great movie, but this is the best 15 minutes of movie that Justin Lin has ever made, and that's the opening bit of Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which is just a little self-contained thing. Lucas uh, Black doesn't have to speak a lot during it, but there's this great sequence where Lucas Black uh, gets like challenged to a race by uh, the bully football player, and the hot cheerleader is sort of egging him on. And I thought you loved me. Yeah, very good, right. And there's a great bit, too, early on, and Justin Lin explains this in the director's commentary, where uh, she's sitting on top of a car, and as Justin uh, Black or uh, Lucas Black watch, walks up to her, like the, the breeze flips up her skirt in this super provocative way that you would think, oh, they obviously engineered that. But Justin Lin on the commentary track was like, nope, that just happened naturally, and it was awesome in the take that we used, and it, it was perfect, just so you know. All right, I'm sorry. Y'all's runners up. Uh, I did a lot of research for this. That's what uh, the gorilla banging the bone in 2001 too. That just happened naturally. <laughs> that was a non-fiction okay, gesture. Oh. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, let's use this." Okay, what? Uh, other runners up. Mm, my Denise Richards is. Yeah. And then was there one in a Friday the Thirteenth movie? I'm forgetting. And also, um, probably. That is a Death staple proof. of horror movies, isn't it? Yeah, you would go with it. But they do so little with the Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yeah, they could make her wait. Like for the exciting part of the movie, they make her like wait. They're like, you know what? We're going to go have the car chase in the movie. You just sit here and have this guy leer at you. And she says gulp. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but she's a cheerleader in Sky High, too. But you don't get to see her cheerlead in either of the movies. Huh. Which, um, I don't know. Think it's any runners up for you? No, just three. All right. There's no cheerleaders in Midnight Run? But yeah. How many? <laughs> All of them. Is Midnight Run the name of their routine? Ah, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, All right, here's next week's 3x3. Three three. I w- I'm surprised we haven't done this, and I believe I checked the list and didn't find it. I have another one in case you guys think that this has been used, but I'm going to go. We did sunglasses, but what we didn't do, we didn't do regular glasses, did we? Hmm. Yeah, we have never done that. And I was thinking of this, watching Russell Crowe fiddle with his glasses in uh, in The Nice Guys. Because he would have his sunglasses up on his head and his reading glasses on his nose. And we'd have to read something. Like there was great glasses business with Russell Crowe being all schlubby and old and having poor eyesight in Nice Guys, which I really enjoyed. Uh, you can do cool things with characters wearing glasses. So this is not sunglasses, by the way. So if they're tinted, they don't count. I don't want to hear about Schwarzenegger and Terminator. That's that we did all that in the sunglasses three by three. This is just regular, regular glasses. Regular the drinking glasses. glasses count? No, Kelly Wan, that's not glasses. That's like no. These are glasses you put on your face to see. Like Robert Hayes did in uh, Airplane. 
So the way you would say that is eyeglasses. Oh, thank you, Dingus. There's, I should have known there's a word to distinguish them. Thank you very much, Dingus. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, oh, there's even – that's right. There's even uh, – I think Ryan Gosling says that Lois Smith is li- – I think he says literally wears uh, the bottoms of Coke bottles over her eyes, like when he's talking about yeah. her glasses and the nice guys. Yeah. Those are eyeglasses, by the way, also. So these are your favorite eyeglasses that are not tinted. No sunglasses count. And if they're those variable things that, that turn dark when you go outside – you're going to have to rule those out as well. If they ever protect you from the sun, they do not count. These are just eyeglasses. All right. It's easy what? enough. Very straightforward. Kelly Wan, did you have a question? What about like a skull's eye sockets? Kelly Wan, uh, that is not an eyeglass. An eyeglass. Okay. Those are not eyeglasses. Also, not monocles, by the way. Uh-oh. No monocles. Uh, so send your picks for that uh, to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. I suspect some of you are like, oh, yeah, that – like some of you might already be thinking of something right now. Run to your email, jot it down, then send it to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. We would love to read it on the air. Also next week, see – we had a tough time with this. We weren't sure what to do, but this comes out on DVD just in time. We don't know anything about it, and I even wasn't even sure if it was a documentary. Next week, we're going to do a movie called Embrace of the Serpent. Hmm. I don't even know if it's like a horror – it sounds like a horror movie. I don't know if it is. Like anything – who wants to be embraced by a serpent? That sounds like something scary, right? Mm. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. So if you see that also, uh, send any comments you have about the movie or anything you'd like us to, to talk about or any questions you might have or points you'd like to raise about Embrace of the Serpent. 23x3 at quarter to three in a separate email so we know what to read for the 3 by 3 and what to read for the podcast. Uh, and we would love to have you participate there as well. So I am Tom Chick. I have been joined this week by Christian Merlowski. It's Christian Merlowski. Dingus, do you know what a Murloc is? Uh, I think it's H.G. Wells. <laughs> oh, very good, Dingus. Nice. Uh, and we also had Kelly Wand. Huh. What is happening right now? I don't know what's happening. Dingus isn't used to hearing these noises. No, <laughs> it just sounds like noise to him. <laughs> His ears are orchestra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> To me, this sounds like la 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 la. Let's have jump. Let's have jump. La la la. Okay, Dingus, I need you to mass grunts and then also um, death knights. Right? Only works on the simple minded. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Hmm. Wait, which one's Elijah Wood? I don't know. It's never done that before. That's an iconic line from the game.